You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastical action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at certainpov.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome everybody to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary, books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick who is always at my side, Hosway. Hello. I'm so ready to talk comics. Yeah, big stack this week uh, for me, um, so it's going to be fun. A <laughs> uh, lot going on in the comic universe lately, and uh, it's just kind of fun. We're seeing a bunch of no- new number ones. We're seeing some of our favorite books coming to an end. <sighs> Three of our favorite indies, like long-going indies, are winding down, it feels like. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but first, as always, we're going to talk about the news, and I'll make it as quickly as I can. Um, but I have a couple big things to talk about. The first thing might interest Josue quite a bit. Um, we got an announcement that one of Josue's favorite books, Deadly Class, yes. is going to end after the next arc. Yep. I, I need, I, it was coming to an end. Um, I remember back like around issues, late 30s, like early 40s. He like reading like the letters. He would say like, oh, yeah, it's coming to a close. But then like around COVID, COVID didn't happening. And then the arc coming back, Savior Generation, it felt, it almost felt like a relaunch. It's almost, it almost felt like he got some sort of like a, I have an extra arc here that let, to let me play around with. Um, but yes, it is one of those books that I hold cherish. But now I'm like, I'm still indifferent about the man. I'm still on the fence about the guy. So I'm kind of like, it's one of those books I'm like at arm's length. I'll still, I'll still be finishing it off, but don't expect yeah. to really re- be reviewing it until like the man actually just says something because he really just had he really just stuck to his guns i'm kind of like why disappoint me like this but yes yeah. it's gonna come to a close and it's gonna be sad and especially after like that last issue i'm like even more like what kind of ending was that what kind of clipping was that i don't know what it means because like i thought the guy was different and then he was just became like that and i'm like <laughs> and now that and now that cliffhanger is just like was registered is registering differently and i'm like i don't know how i feel about it but i mean that, that's that's what books are though they'll fucking break your heart yeah yeah, that's how it is. Comics come and go, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Um, next up, bit of news. Uh, as we know, James Tynan has stepped down from Batman. Mm-hmm. So we need a replacement. Yes. And they got Joshua Williamson, which is an excellent pick. Uh, you guys might know him as the person currently writing Robin, which right. we'll be talking about later. <laughs> Infinite Frontier. And Future State Gotham, which we really, really enjoy. Isn't he doing Checkmate or Final Frontier? Infinite Frontier? Yeah, Infinite Frontier, not Checkmate. 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's going to be doing the upcoming Deathstroke book, though. So. Ooh, okay. See, he's a busy man, but I, I think, I mean, if you're going to have to, it, there's no replacing James the Fourth. You know, like I mean, so he really, he really you do the best a, you can. He brought a lot to the table, like as far as like new characters, like yeah, Punchline sure is probably like, the the main headliner one, but then like Ghostmaker, there's like a, I think like another one that was kind of like popping in and out of like the Bat books. So, like I'm I'm hoping they just they don't just get forgotten in 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 around Gotham and whatever corner. Yeah. Uh, next big piece of news. Last week we talked about the new Power Rangers series, Power Rangers Universe, that's coming. Oh yeah, and we had an artist, but not a writer yet. Well, mm-hmm. now we have the writer. Nice, and it's Nicole Andelfinger, which is not going to be a, a name a lot of our viewers know. Yeah, but uh, they do have quite a bit of experience working on uh, comics, especially ones from existing IPs. Ooh, nice. Um, they did work on the Jim Henson Dark Crystal Age of Resistance book. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Regular show, Rugrats, Steven Universe, Dragon Prince, all that stuff. So Damn. lots of lots of good experience. And they are a huge fan of Power Rangers. So they'll definitely be able to put like, you know, a little bit of fan love into it. Not mm-hmm. just, you know, someone attached to something that, that they don't really care about. So and then my last thing, um, we do know that. uh there is, of course, the comic book series Oblivion Song, which I believe mm. is Skybound. Yeah. Because uh, it is done by Kirkman. Yeah. Um, and so it was optioned for a movie, and it was optioned to New Republic Pictures. Well, we just got an announcement of the star of the movie is going to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I dig that. Like, I, I think that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I always thought he was really good. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be a wrong choice, really. Yeah, I could try to think. I'm sure there's an instance or two I could think of where he's the wrong choice. But yeah, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, but like, no, for the most present, part. Was it the movie with him on it? I was like, I'll be interested for sure. I'll be going to watch it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. And then the last bit of news, uh, two bits of news that aren't really comic book news. First of all, uh we got the Gamescom uh, thing going on right now, oh, and we yeah. got the announcement of the Marvel Knights game. Yes. Now, longtime listeners of the show know I love me some Marvel. <laughs> Wait, was it? No, not Marvel Midnight Knights. Suns. Midnight Suns. Sorry, my, <laughs> I, I fucked up my own thing. <laughs> Midnight Suns. Uh, everybody who listens knows I'm a huge fan of the Midnight Suns. Yes. Love that. Um, so this game, it looks like it's going to be similar to a lot of games that are already made. Mm-hmm. But it's being made with characters I give a shit about, so I'm going to buy it. <laughs> um, my only hesitation with it is, I really wish the roster had stuck more just to the Midnight Suns. Oh, okay. It didn't include, like, Iron Man. Yeah. Cap. I didn't really need that. It should have just been the cool, like, horror characters. Yeah. And, or at this point, uh, why not have, yeah. actually introduce um, uh, Werewolf by Midnight? Or Werewolf by Night? Yes, just right? actually have a cool kind of horror character, yeah. a, a obscure yeah. cool, uh, horror character, or Morbius. Uh, Morbius isn't in there. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. I was excited for the game. Um, it's gonna be a two K game, whatevs. But I, I like that we're getting all these different. Like, I love that is like they're not just copying the MCU formula. I was like, oh, that's how all these yeah. connecting video games now. Like, no, they're just like a bunch of all these like now Marvel games. But I like that we're getting different attempt at Marvel games. Like the Avengers, sure, it'll, it'll have its fan base. The Guardians game is probably going to be the best one. So after that, and now we get this like weird, different action-packed one. Fuck yeah, I- I'm really into it. Especially if they're diving into something 
on the on the horror side or something that's like a, a cool arc that people don't really know about. Midnight Suns, fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Plus, we can play co-op and roll around as Nico and Magic. Dude, oh, I know. When, when Nico showed up with her staff and started doing her, like, or when she just like almost like unsheets it, and, yeah. and she gets like she gets it on her arm, like what power up is that? I would I would do that all the fucking time. And then you get Magic. I'm like, okay, the see, like those are the right characters to pick for the game. Yep. That's that's when they were exactly. thinking about it. Oh fuck yeah! Um, I like the tweet where like Johnny Case just being Johnny Case, being like, oh, so now people care about Midnight Suns, and somebody. Right. Thought, Somebody clapped back at him. It's like, sir, you could have done it, but you chose to do um, Marvel Knights. And he replied, how goddamn dare you? <laughs> you could, we could do both. Like, oh, yeah. the, the gift? why not both? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm excited for more Midnight Sun stuff. Maybe we'll get some more comics out of it. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. So. There has to be a tie-in. Oh, for sure. I see it coming. Yeah. And that leads us to our last uh, big announcement. A uh, little movie trailer dropped for Spider-Man. Just a little one. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little what the fuck? <laughs> like, um, I, not much on the internet has ever made me realize how much I hate the internet in this trailer. <laughs> because to some people, it was incredible. I was one of those people. Oh, yeah. And some people were like, this looks like shit. And I'm like, How? How does this look like shit to you? I don't understand. Like, whatever. And then some people started... <sighs> okay, I'm just going to address this. I, w- I had no plans on addressing this during the show, but we're going to do it. Yeah. You guys are remembering Tobey Maguire way too fondly. <laughs> he was not a good Spider-Man. He was a bad Spider-Man. He had one and a half good movies. <laughs> like... <laughs> He, the only good movie is the one where the bad guy was easily better than him. And yeah. so that's why it, it's like Christian Bale as Batman. Christian Bale was a terrible Batman, <laughs> but the Joker was great. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's why everybody's like, Dark Knight's great. The other one's meh. See, I like I like the first one, though, because I think Killian Murphy as Scarecrow is amazing. But that's a oh, whole other yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, no, I think you guys are remembering Tom McGuire way too fondly. <laughs> it's if anything, if anything, I, I like that it sparked this sense of nostalgia, where it's just like where everybody's like, ah, like where everybody, sure, collectively, we might all have a sense, a one sense or another of superhero fatigue. Let's all let's all be real. But with this fucking trailer, it just brought back this whole sense of nostalgia from everybody, from whatever Spider Man you like. So it's like, yeah, they're gonna be shot, shots are gonna be fired, but underneath it all, like we all are here for the for fucking Spider Man, and that's what I really liked about yeah. it. I just, I'm starting to see, like, obviously Toby was better than Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah, yeah, But I'm getting, I'm starting to see things where it's saying that he's better than Tom Holland, and I'm like, you watch your goddamn mouth. Yeah, no. Like, it's like, I, I really like that's that. That's fucking bullshit. I, I always like that split where it's like, fine, if you have to, like, go with pros and cons, Toby was a good Peter, not a good Spidey, and then vice versa for Andrew Garfield, and Tom Tom Holland is, like, good in the middle. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Toby was a particularly good Peter, either. Really? Peter's... <sighs> He's more confident than they make him out to be. <laughs> you know, like in the comics, he really is, especially if we're talking about older Peter, mm-hmm. because in the second two movies, he was an adult. You know, obviously, he was an adult oh, in yeah. the first one. We just weren't supposed to pre- we were pretend he wasn't. But <laughs> adult Peter is a completely different person than, than teen Peter. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland nails teen Peter. Like, yeah. it's the best It's the best teen Peter adaptation I've seen in any you know form. And he's a great Spider-Man too. Like he's mm-hmm. lithe. He's not like he doesn't try to look buff. Like 
My one like thing is, like, like where, where I see Toby as a good Peter is because he was written as a really bad Spider-Man. Like, there was no quips, like, or even if there was, they were always really bad, really cheesy. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I kind of see him as a better Peter, because, like, his Spider-Man appear- appearances were just not there. And there were Sam Raimi films. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi films are automatically cheesy. <laughs> um, and I, I do think Tom McGuire is a good actor. I just don't think he was a good Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, I want to make that clear. So, but I'm excited about the trailer. Oh yeah, we'll see where we're like, going. Like I was telling you before, like up until it starts getting into like all the Doctor Strange shit and like let's change everything, those like wholesome moments, like with him and MJ, him around everybody, it just mm-hmm. it felt like such a JSM, uh, JMS like book. Like it just yes. it like that tone was there. Like I felt like I was reading uh, a Straczynski like run. Like was it like yeah a JSM uh, book? But but yeah, it just. And I'm I'm hoping that feeling stays there, and then it doesn't really go, completely go away once you start getting into like all the mysticism and changing everything around. Because that was like I was not expecting to just like have that feeling there. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting mm-hmm. that I don't know. I don't think they needed to do that with this movie. Like this could have been a normal Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's odd. This is the one that's really going to open up the multiverse. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh yeah, like, we don't need to really do that. Like I don't know. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's the news. Did you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, those are like the big ones. The biggies. Nice. Well, we have a stack, so we're going to get straight to it. As always, we start now with a bang, but a boom. And Hosue is going to start with Boom Studios. And he has a book report from last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, please tell me, because you caught up on Eat the Rich, which I reviewed last week. <laughs> and I wanted to get your opinion of it. What do you think? Honestly, I, I hella fucking enjoyed it. It did make me... I actually want to go back and watch, um, was it Ready or Not or Your Next? Your Next. Your Next, okay. Um, it did give me those vibes where like, I've seen like the trailers or I get like the the premise or you told me a little bit about it, but then I'm, I'm reading and I'm, like, I'm seeing it and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, that setting that like I'm so – I'm like a fish out of the out of the water here. That yeah. whole – like the whole thing where like with you're just a reg- you're just a regular fucking person. You're going to sh- have compassion. It's a regular human – like being thing and then you so you offer help but then the whole like you don't help the help like get the fuck out of here like what the fuck's going on and then yeah you get like the the twist at the end and like "Mm." especially i really love the part with like the friend the friend who's just like already super drunk and he's like oh it's your turn to give like the roast and then he's just like not about it i mean he's into it but like she's she's noticing that he's not about it or he when he gets off he's like oh thank fucking god it's over and like Oh, this guy's seen too much, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. Oof, like no, I'm, I'm definitely into it. Um, I love the tone, like the eerie tone of it. Like, you can't really see what's underneath, like the like what's being covered up. So, yeah, I definitely want to see this through. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I definitely want to get your opinion because I, when I read it, I thought of you. I'm like, oh, he's gonna. Yeah, no, bro, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> All right, our first actual review is going to be Dark Blood number two. I got this variant cover. Because last time I got this weird domestic oh. cartoon cover. Oh, with the white family, yeah. Do, I think they're going to do one for every cover, or for every issue. So I'm going to cool. get all those, I think. Uh, written by Latoya Morgan, illustrated by Walt Barna and Moises Hidalgo. Colored by AHG and lettered by Ann World. So this is the one with the guy who um, was attacked. Like It was the black, black ex-soldier in the 50s who was attacked by a white, a white guy. And then uh, he had powers and something's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book is another one of those slow build ones where it's not quite telling you everything yet. Mm-hmm. 
but this one definitely emphasized the racial injustice of everything. Like where he's working at a diner and all the people are just treating him like shit. Like he, this dude's like, I wanted my steak well done. This is buddy's hell. He's like, you asked for medium rare. He's like, don't talk to back to me, you know? And then they have to give the guy a free steak because and it's like, it's just really fucked up. And as someone who gets yelled at in his daily, you know, job, <laughs> I can relate to this dude in a way, obviously not racial, but yeah. Um, but it's just really well told and it's, it goes into it. And basically long story short, he keeps having this back pain. And he meets with this doctor out in the middle of nowhere who gives him an injection in his back. And he wakes up with his eyes glowing. So we're slowly but surely finding out what's going on. Um, but it's really kind of cool. I'm really digging this book. There's, like I said, there's a really cool dread and mystery to it. I really like the art quite a bit. And yeah, I just really dig it. So highly recommend Dark Blood. Not too much to talk about because it's the number two. So mm. uh, Next up, we share the next three books. Yes. Let's start with... Uh, the one one book that Hostway texted me about this week already. Oh, Good God. luck, number three. It hit like a fucking train, dude. <laughs> Written by Matthew Ehrman, illustrated by Stefano Simone, lettered by Mike Fiorentino. Now, my initial reaction, it was very good. Mm-hmm. But my initial reaction is, now this is a Matthew Ehrman book. Oh, for sure. Oh, I had yeah. the same thought. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is a Matthew Ehrman book. We're in it now. So <laughs> Literally and, the same thing. <laughs> And it's really, really good. Um, I know we were left off on a cliffhanger last time where it seemed like every major character we were introduced to died, basically. <laughs> um, and they didn't, but what happened to them was fascinating. Yeah. And just so interesting. And we get a cool reveal. This is the kind of book, guys, we're not going to spoil for you. Because, yeah, yeah, first you know of all, you're right. it would require way too much explanation to explain anything. <laughs> True. But second of all, the journey is the point. <laughs> like so, yeah. Um, I really, really liked it. Um, and the hyper focus on luck, and you know, they they keep focusing on good luck, bad luck, the whole governmental conspiracy thing. I really, really enjoyed this book. What did you think? I mean, it was just it, it all comes down to like to to the ending, right? Like it's just it was just messed up. Like I'm I'm really gonna heated line of like not jumping over to full full spoilers but it was just like we've all read the stories we've all seen the movies where you're just kind of like well in the end i guess like it didn't really matter because it didn't happen right like you just move on it sucks it sucks that you remember but for sure but when you get like now you're always suffering no matter what you're welcome like my brain was just like just wrinkled up it's like that is (laughs) fucked up that's so fucked up just so you can keep pushing forward you're welcome no, that's not how this works. That's not how it should work. That's so mean. <laughs> I yeah. I fucking love this issue, and and I, man, I love it when a series can just get better and better by each issue, not just like a big wow first issue. You get like your little like just chug along in the middle, and then you get a cool fourth and final issue, and then a final issue. But no, I fucking love it when each issue just like builds off of the next one, just gets stronger and stronger. That's that's what makes the story so memorable. Gotcha. Yeah, I really, really digging it. I'm curious to see where it goes. So. Mm-hmm. I think because we're ta- we're going to talk about some other boom books that are getting getting on, <laughs> and I think this is going to kind of become one of those ones. Unless this is a mini, I don't know if it is. Oh, I thought I, kind of, I thought it was. It feels like one, mm-hmm. but I don't know. So we'll see. All right, let's move on to one of those books. Something is killing the children. Number nineteen. 
Yes. Boy, boy. Okay, so, uh, course credits, uh, written by James uh, Tynan. I keep saying that wrong all the time. Uh, the fourth, illustrated by Werther de la Dera, colored by Mikael Muerto, and letter by Anwold. So we get the we get the trial revealed. What the, what the trial to join is, and that was really really cool. Don't get me wrong; I really enjoyed that. But what I really dug was the Aaron that we still have so much more Aaron. Yeah, and we all know what happens later, and that's what makes it that much worse. So, um, but yeah, we're just digging into the House of Slaughter, which is interesting because we're going to be getting the House of Slaughter book soon. Mm-hmm. So I think it's cool that they're developing it all now, so that when we start doing that, it can break away evenly and stuff. So oh, absolutely, yeah. My other question is because I know she's kind of on the outs with, with the group right now. Mm-hmm. Is she not going to be a part of the House of Slaughter once the book releases? Is she gonna, uh, are they going to be hunting hunting her? She's going to go rogue or something. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's really interesting. We especially also get a lot more. Oh, good. It's especially when since we're still on the subject with Aaron, uh, we get a, we find almost like we finally get just like a little bit of of meaning behind the masks. Like when mm-hmm. like the, the the twins are are corn, like have cornered or up against uh, Aaron, and you're like, oh, you're a black mask. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be a lone wolf, and it's like, oh, is that is that what is that what the criteria is between like is like red black? Yeah, they kind of they kind of point that out. Like the black masks are the ones that you know. Like I remember when when they sent the white masks after her. You mm-hmm. know? That's kind, there was kind of hinted at that the blast black masks were like singular. You know what I mean? Right. So it's interesting, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, just just a lot of the a lot of good background, and we get to see exactly how her token was made, which yes. I thought was interesting. It's so cool, so cool, like just so good. And, and the way she, the way she struggles with them, the struggle she has, yes, is so cool. The way like, she, that was such a great idea. The way she has to handle it and be like, no, I have to go back and play it out the way it was. Sucks that I have to remember it or again play it out exactly exactly what happened. But that's the way I beat this monster. And, and I just, just love the last page when it's like, they thought you were going to die, so they left you. Yeah, well, I didn't. So what's next? <laughs> like, fuck, oh, Erica's such a cool character. She's awesome, dude. That, I cannot wait to go to cons because there's going to be some Erica Slaughter cosplay. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, wrapping up, boom, with a book that took a break. Didn't a long like one. Two months? Yeah. Two, three months without one of these? Once in Future, number 19. Uh, written by Kieran Gillen, illustrated by Dan Mora, colored by Tamara Von Villain, letter by Ed Dukeshire. And I'll say it again, as I always say it, head to toe, the best creative team in comics. Like, yeah. if you if you look at the strength of each role, they're the best creative team in comics. Like, oh, absolutely. I love it. Like, so good. And this book continues, and God, do I love Once in Future. Of course, we said we saw a big shift in what happened in the last issue, where oh, everything yeah. changes. Everything literally changes. <laughs> and magic becomes known to the general populace, and Magical Britain just goes to hell, basically. <laughs> so, um, we open up with a really great sequence with Duncan, and... Um, God, he's so hot. I, I know, I also... I, I almost made a joke. I'm like, I don't remember him having a full beard. Is this to show that time has passed, you know? like, And I was like, <laughs> probably so, actually... Uh, but with Gran and Duncan, 
going to get their or her armory, and the entire time they're trying not to say fairies <laughs> because the fairies are waiting for them, and if they hear the word fairies, they come out. Long story short, it happens, and this. Is a creepy ass fairy design, by the Dude, way. One of the coolest fucking fairy designs. Like, ugh. And then followed by one of the best lines. <laughs> I, All I, fairies I, are bastards. I, they went, AFAB! Oh, and, yeah. other, and then I laughed at myself because of what I said out loud. I was like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then again, like, it's just, it's just so fucking great. You know what I mean? Like, I just love this book. And once again, for those, because we haven't talked about it in a while. This is the one that's uh, the modern Arthurian legends coming forward and, you know, taking place now and stories being played out as they always should have been with the hidden magical history of Britain. So um, I really like I'm I'm loving Rose more and more as they build her as a character. Yes. Um, it's just so good. And then, of course, it's this is the first issue of the new volume. So, yeah, they're kind of setting up the new the new reel. I love this bit with the werewolf on top of an ambulance. Oh yeah. Like it's just to show how the, the magical world is kind of taken over Britain totally. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So I just love that little touches like that's really cool. So I love this book. It's one of my favorite comics period. Uh, was, what'd you think? It was so funny. Cause like before we had left to go to get our comics, such and I were just like laughing at the, the Eurovision scene where they're kind of like praying to like the gnomes or like the, fa- the, the what are they? They're gnomes or fairies? Elves. They're, 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 they're elves. Yeah. The, the, the elves that they pray to for like, for protection is like, Oh, it's just so crazy. I like, they just like, it's just like a funny little nod to like their culture or what they kind of believe in. And the, it just opens up with them. Like, don't say the fucking word. Don't say, don't say the fucking word. Like they're around. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I like that. that. We're, that we're like, like there's a uh, little similarities there. Uh, fucking Arthur going crazy with Saxon slash mm, Saxon slash and looks at this guy mm, Saxon enough slash <laughs> like this guy is fucked <laughs> yeah so good it's it's building man it's building I can feel it I had missed this this book so goddamn much and I was just I would often wonder like where's my once in future like we would get back to back issues of like three th- three different books and like didn't we just read this like two weeks ago or even last week and then we were mm. just like in the future bro i need my fix <laughs> and damn did it deliver holy shit again like just going back to the end with like that cliffhanger like where's that gonna go i know i'm i'm very very excited so okay so next up we're gonna switch over to dark horse uh, i got one dark horse book and it's <laughs> Norse mythology number three once again i got the david matt cover oh yeah because it's always incredible. Um, story words by Neil Gaiman, script and layout by Pete Craig Russell, letters by Galen Showman, art by Mark Buckingham of Fables fame. Oh, uh, Laverne Kanzersky colors and uh, oh, I already said letters. Cool. Um, so this one is the story of Thor's journey to the land of the giants, which is actually a really cool story too. This is also going to be at least a two-parter, mm-hmm. so it just kind of sets up the story. But basically, long story short. Thor and Loki are going to go visit the giants. Uh, they're actually going to um, Jotunheim, which is where Loki's family's from. And along the way, they run into a young boy. The young boy is one, one of the fastest runners on the land, but he he wrongs Thor. I won't get into the long details of it, but he wrongs Thor in a way that he owes Thor, and he basically becomes Thor's servant. And they uh, 
that he's traveling with them, and they end up finding the the giant castle. No one is uh, available to like open the door, so they have to sneak in under the giant gate. Hmm. And okay. that's where we left off. I know where this is going because I've read it before, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be really, really cool. There's basically, it's very. This is one of the more mythological, like traditionally mythological stories in Norse mythology. Okay, where they're given us a, a series of tasks they have to complete. Okay, so yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's really cool the way they do it because it's Thor and Loki, and they have to work together with things. Hmm. And then they got this mortal kid, which is cool too. So. All right, moving on. Josue, we're going to switch over to Mad Cave Studios, and you're going to talk to me about Bex- Bexstar. Bexstar? Uh, this one would actually be pretty quick, because this this one is um, the penultimate issue. I thought this would be the finale, but it leaves up with uh, to be concluded. And rightfully so, because I was like, this, this seems like a little too short. So we're pretty much like heading to the destination of like just everybody meeting together, good guys, bad guys meeting together, so we can finally like, squat, like squash us all out. Um, so this one is just mostly um, a giant space, uh, a chasing, a, a spaceship chasing in the, in the cosmos, trying to trying to get to Beckstar, trying to, or pretty much trying to at this point just trying to kill them all. Beckstar, both her paprikas, and I forget what what her co pilot um, uh, name is, but it's a great it's a great moment where uh, when they finally crash land at, at their destination, and they're like, okay, like well the ship's screwed, we'll, we'll, t- we'll have to repair it next, uh, when we come back. And this is Beckstar, and she's like, assuming we can find the keys. And one of the paprikas, because again, now there's two, one of them was just like, I already snagged him. And Bexar goes, you're my favorite paprika. And the other paprika goes like, Pah. and that's when that one, that one just like Scott is like, oh, there's the asteroid uh, base. And then and that's when Bexar replies, hey, you're a great paprika too. Sorry, I jumped the gun back there. It's literally like a back-to-back panel of like her choosing both paprikas. So it's just like, I love how cheeky it can be. And then just, um, yeah, now we're definitely confronted with uh the bad guy in the end so yeah it's it this one just like went by like just like really fast i wish us were just like putting all the players in one setting and in the same place so yeah bexar i was like a, the little science book the little sci-fi book that i like i, <laughs> I more. like more <laughs> they won me over yep nice all right we're gonna go ahead and move on to valiant comics mm. nice. and uh if it's valiant you know me it's Ninjak. I At love least me some Ninjak. <laughs> so, um, so Ninjak number two. Um, something I didn't get a chance to really talk about uh, before. Uh, I, I hinted at it a little bit. Is that there's so many people that are upset about the art for Ninjak, oh, and yeah. it how makes did, me laugh so hard. How did it differ again? It's completely different. It's yeah. here. Uh, well, let me read the creative team real quick. Okay. It's Javier Paludo and Jeff Parker with Javier doing the letters. It's, it looks like this. Oh, that's right. Okay. So for like in a book that, to be fair, did kind of start off like a 90s Jim Lee, Rob Layfield kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It does this completely different art style. I love it. Yeah, and I was I was wondering about it. I was like, why do I like this so much? And it's because it reminds me of old school. Like, I'm trying to remember an example off the top of my head, but it's it's like an old school, like almost European comic, like a European spy comic. Ooh, yes, I hear that. And that's that's kind of what it reminds me of is how like goofy it looks and stuff, but it's supposed to, and that's what makes it great. And that's why when you have this awesome badass action scene, and it's done in an art style like this, it's funny. 
Like, this one dude is about to attack this guy. He walks up with a knife, and then this dude just breathes fire on him. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Like, and it's supposed to be. I really enjoy that. Like, it, just, it reminds me of, just like, a lot of nowadays indie books, too. Yeah, or like this. There's our first shot in Jack in this okay. whole year. So, but it's just cool looking, like, and I really dig it. And yes, it could look like every other book. Why would you want it to? It could, yeah, like that, almost like hyper realism into every panel. But yeah, why would you want it to? It's like have different styles. Like this is what makes it different. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's continuing the story where all the spies' identities are revealed, and then Jack oh, yeah. has to fight to survive. He fights a group of three superpowered bad guys and has to find a way to outsmart them and stuff. So it was fun. It was really cool. I, I liked it a lot. So, all right. Next is Magma Comics. Josue, talk to me about Modern Frankenstein. Is this the last issue? This is the last issue. I thought it or, might be. Or is it? So, Cult <laughs> of Dracula. This one by. Oh, no, Modern Frankenstein. Oh, Modern Frankenstein. Oh, Modern Frankenstein. Never, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just realized, like, oh shit, I, I, I just realized I have, like, two almost, like, different what-ifs uh, monster books this week. Or, yeah. th- or that I was reading monster books, so. Are they, also, are they also both last issues? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay, so, let's go with the Modern Frankenstein instead. This one by Paul Cornell. Art by Emma Biaschelli. Art by uh, The Color by Pipa Bolin. And lettering by Simon Bolin. So. Our sweet Dr. Angela discovers that, yes, during all them fun sexy times with Dr. Frankenstein has led to, uh-oh, pregnancy. She's maybe discovered that he was maybe doing some experiments on the side, maybe with her, maybe on himself, so that this baby could be a little bit kind of maybe modified. And so one night, she's as he's sleeping, she kind of sneaks off and goes to one of the experiments, one of the live subjects, and she asks, and she talks to him, is like, yo, how crazy is he? And yeah, let them know. It's like, yeah, it's always been this way. So, but of course, Frankenstein shows up and it's like, hey, babe. <laughs> so, um, Frankenstein's like, yo, it's like, yeah, it, it might be all true, but I did it for, I did it for a baby. I, I still want to, like, it'll be like, basically, he's just like thinking that this baby will be like the greatest fucking thing ever, um, based on his, uh, self experiments. Um, but, He's not going to let anything bad happen, or he's, he's going to have. He needs to get his hands on his baby, so he whips out his little uh, app. Since like that's how they hypnotize like their experiments, to because mm-hmm. she runs off and he's like, "Yo, go after her, but don't fucking hurt her." And she has this whole like this whole moment of like, "Yo, like he kind of like you you messed me up." Like there was like no consent for this, and he kind of like spins it around on like you didn't bother with consent with like pretty much like that whole time we're together. But it's like, they have like a whole moment and she literally threatens herself since like the, that lackey or that experiment that's like after her is specifically, it was specifically told to not harm her or to bring her back unharmed. She threatens herself with the scalpel. And so it kind of like re triggers him. And as he's kind of like contemplating what to do, she whips out her like app to now rehypnotize him as like he was kind of like this state of confusion. And now he's mm-hmm. kind of like on her side. She makes a run for it or she she makes a run for it back to her mom. So he's kind of been like her only family member like she's kind of been in contact with. And the mom was in on it. The mom wasn't in on it this whole time. The mom was already kind of hypnotized because fucking Frankenstein was already upstairs. And I'm just like waiting, waiting for her to come home. So. We think 
this is it. He has the upper hand now. Like they're both like on the floor, um, like Dr. Angela and the mom, and he's not going to take Angela back. Only I guess like Angela just didn't take a full dose or like the mom was able to restrain herself a little bit. And Angela's able to fucking, or Dr. Angela's able to stab Frankenstein in the neck and just like <laughs> repeat it over and over and over again. Cause like this fucking guy was crazy. Um, so there's a short time skip of like her having her baby. She was still maybe she was going to be, it was either going to be jail time because she was still complicit over like being with him over all the experiments and killing that other guy. Um, or now have to work for the government as almost an indentured servant and, or, or in how this agent puts it to unlock a bunch of other experiments or other future endeavors. So they make a break for it, or there's like, there's like a little plan that gets hashed out uh, between her and her mom to be able to get the baby out. And so, yeah, they're pretty much like, um, out on the run. Like the, how did she say it? She's, uh, fleeing the law won't be easy. I'll pick it up as I go. So her and her mom and the baby are just going to be avoiding the law for the rest of their lives. Cause this is a fucking big one. And now, and it just ends with the kind of creepy, like, and it, it, not creepy, but it's just like it's one of those where like she'll never she'll never forget him because like the baby was born with his eyes, like this beautiful black baby with like these like mm. beautiful teal like eyes. So and of course it just goes to like he probably like spli- spliced uh, his genes so that the baby can be born like in the, almost like in his perfect image, if you will. And the whole last page is actually really nice because it does a a great callback to um, the Mary Shelley novel. Um, almost like where when Frankenstein goes um, goes off on his own with uh, my spirit will sleep in peace or if or if it thinks it will not surely think thus and then it has like a di- in a different text thank you Mary and then the end so it wasn't bad um I I like I, I kind of wanted a little bit more from the the Frankenstein to see like see his little horror side but he was still just like fucking crazy as as he would in this modern take of like how he would just be splicing genes left and right on how to create the, the perfect, uh, now the perfect human. <laughs> yeah, good book by uh, Paul Cornell. Nice. All right. And let's move on to Aftershock. Oof. We have a couple books from Aftershock. I think we both have both. Yes. So let's start with Seven Swords number three. Yes. Written by Evan Dougherty. Uh, art by Federico Dallaccio. Uh, color by Valentina Bianconi, and letter by Dave Sharp. So, of course, this is the one with the seven swords people being gathered slowly to team up. Mm-hmm. And we were left off when we met Don Juan, naked. <laughs> and uh, he, they get caught by the guards. And long story short, the guards, or the, the king, or I think it was the king, or some kind of like, power person you know i did miss the they did just refer to him as a sumachestad so it's kind of like his majesty so some sort of royalty so they agree to let them go on their mission to start cardinal richelau because the guy hates cardinal richelau (laughs) and he says on the condition that the chastity of don juan be strictly enforced upon your journey (laughs) which is i thought was great they get a boat they're they're doing the, the ship thing it's great there's a lot of little interpersonal character development in this one that I loved. Yes. Um, I love Cyrano being like trying to teach Don Juan how to like actually talk to a woman and not like, Oh my God, though. What would just you be have like, me, look at my dick, let's fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, what would you yeah. have me have said? And then he just delivers this beautiful like line on how he, he should have approached her instead. And it's like, perhaps you should hide down there and supply me with the words to say. Very original, Very but original. no. 
<laughs> love it. So, um, but yeah, lots of development between all the different characters and stuff. We also we meet Captain Blood, <laughs> and he joins the crew for money, <laughs> as, <laughs> as Mister Krabs would say. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, and they find out what they have to do. They have to break into the Bastille. Um, there's also a little hint that um, our uh, oh gosh, my my mom blank her actual name, the um, the sister. Yeah, sister sister Catalina was it? I think so. Yeah. She um she basically uh I think that she's into D'Artagnan. I think so too. That's what I'm kind of gathering from this. She's praying for him and and I like the the speech the other other one gives her is mm-hmm. um it, it is not wrong to put God before yourself. It is not wrong to put others before yourself. But do not think of yourself at all. That is wrong. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a really good line, actually. I'm going to steal that sometime. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they they basically they break into the Bastille. They come up. A bunch of the guards are dead. Uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they split up. And they find the man in the iron mask and free him. Uh, and then also, they find the guy that killed, um, that allegedly killed D'Artagnan's uh, uh, buddy. At the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. we find out he didn't. He's actually a victim as well. He is, he's, uh, his name is Ahmed, and he's going to join the group as well. So that's really cool. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, that we find out the man in the iron mask. He's, he's, you know, his face is all disgusting because he's wearing this mask forever, and he's only speaking German. And all he passed out. Oh, we got to rest. Then we get this killer fucking shot at the end. Oh yeah, this, everybody formed up. Hell yeah. That's a, that's the poster right there. Oh hell I love yeah. That shit. <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to get more. And so the group is together. We are fully together. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. This book has been a treat. I know, right? I, I've really been enjoying this one, too. Yeah. Which takes us to our second Aftershock book, Project Patron number five. Ooh. Written by Steve Orlando, drawn by Patrick Piazzalunga, colored by Carlos Lopez, and letter by Hassan Atzmane Alhau. Um, so as we know, this is the ersatz Superman that's being controlled by people and their, the original version of him was killed by, um, this, this bad guy, which is basically doomsday, but we're not saying that. Uh, his name, his name is woe. And the team realizes they all have to work together to stop him. So they all have to control the patron together. And it was really cool because there was like a struggle in the booth of them, uh, like, uh, what's his name? It's just strength. We just need more strength. All the strength, you know. Yeah. It's just like they have to they have to work together to figure out how to wait, how to do it, you know. And in the end, they realize, or well, first of all, patron's face is ripped off, <laughs> so everybody realizes that he's not really the patron, or at least something's up. And then they realize, hey, this is what we actually got to do. They flew him up in the air and exploded, killing Woe, but also killing the patron at the same time. Mm-hmm. And of course, the public are like, "He'll be back. He always comes back." And it's like, you know, this is, we did the right thing. You know, this is a. And then we find out that it was all a trick all along, and yep. <laughs> it was revealed that that like, um, like Ignatz, it reveals that he was. And what we knew from the beginning, he was undercover, but he thought he was undercover for a certain group. 
He's actually going to cover for the big bad guy, the Lex Luthor of this Superman. Yeah. He didn't realize that and everything. And they're, they, they're like, we're going to out you guys. We're going to tell the world the truth. And then you see a shot of what I presume is supposed to be um, like downtown New York or something. It looks like Times with, Square, yeah. Yeah, Times Square with the four the shots of four of them with the dead patron. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to this world? And it's just oh, so good. I'm loving this book. I really am. It's so good. Um, what'd you think? I mean, it was such a, it was such a cool, fin- it was a cool finale. Like, I, I liked how they yeah. got together on like how to beat him. And then they were like, you know what? Like the Patreon was just like his own person. Like, I'm sure I wouldn't want to fucking die in the last minute either. And that's, and that's how they kind of figured it out. Like the patient was afraid of dying. We aren't. So we're just like piloting this puppet thing. Kaboom. That was, that was awesome. And then just like twist. Fuck. Yeah. And then what to get like, another book after this like dude like how the fuck are they gonna come up after this like what would what would they do <laughs> yeah hopefully this is not the last we see of project patron because i really dug it right well like, it's like, like i wanted to read like the letter to see if there was like any sort of like is this it but then like nothing definitive was said <laughs> except for it was very careful I mean, it's, it's basically the same title as, and especially with the recent movie that just got released and they just added a simple word to it in front of it but it's like the project patron hanger is open folks like I wouldn't, I would, I don't think the is like the title of the next book, but I just like I need, I need more Steve. I need, I need to know what happens next. Oh yeah, loving it. So, all right, let's move on to Titan Comics, Ooh. and in this case, we're talking about Horizon Zero Dawn number two. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn Liberation number two. That is yes. Um, in this case. Uh, of course, uh, written by written uh, and yeah, written by Ann Tool, with the story by Ben McCaw. Script editor is Annie Catane. Artist is Elmar Damaso. Color by Brian Valenza, and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, so once again, we are we're getting this story where uh, where uh, Aloy and Erend are like traveling together, but he's really most of the story is him telling the story of his sister and her past. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really cool. I almost forgot this was the Horizon Zero Dawn world when we were reading her story. <laughs> okay. Like, it, w- it was really cool. Because, like, during her part of the story, there wasn't a lot of it in your face. It's like Horizon Zero Dawn, you know? Yeah. There weren't, like, in, especially in this issue, there wasn't, like, any of the, the monsters. Mm-hmm. So, it was just kind of like, oh, this is really cool. And then at the end, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, this is Horizon Zero Dawn. So, um, but, yeah, her story of being, like, a slave and escaping and being an important part of the revolution. She memorized all these things that helped them, you know, fight the war. It was just really cool. And then it kind of, again, cuts off because their reality, they, they have a fight. And so that's going to kind of be what it is. We're going to get a lot of flashbacks and then a fight or something interrupting the story. And then maybe he'll finish telling it the next issue, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but I really dug this. And honestly, as someone who never played the original game, Ooh, okay. I know the second one is. Um, I watched someone play it, but mm-hmm. um, I know the second one got delayed till next year. So I have time. I'm probably going to play through it. Oh yes, dude! It, it was a lot of fun. Um, so much so this is one of the games where I platinumed it on a single playthrough, which is like kind of like not not like I didn't have to come back for anything. And that's how much I really like just like exploring the world. And one of the th- one of the, like the things I I didn't really like about the game was Aaron. I mean, at first, because I, I, like at face value, you look at Aaron and you're going to think it's going to be some sort of bully, almost halfway misogynist guy. And especially like, over his position, but he's a guy like almost like won me over, like the more I would play it. And then, yeah, his whole like, like subplot would be 
about Ersa, about his sister. He'd always bring up his sister because he took over his position. And what I love about this book is that we actually get to know Ersa because like it, he would only just mm-hmm. hype her up. So now we actually get the book on this one. And I just want to go back and play my new game plus uh, to actually finish off those trophies. Um, and, and But actually, because in the beginning where you're kind of getting like the the passages on like previously on this issue, it actually explains where exactly in the game this kind of takes place. Like, it takes like, oh, as soon as like she just dis- she discovers this part about the maker's end, the marker's end in the north. But before she does that, this takes place. So I kind of on, on my new game plus mode, like once I hear those words together, put a pause and then actually come back and reread this one to kind of like get the full like kind of picture on it. Because the first book, the first Horizon Zero Dawn comic made me so excited for the second game. Like by bridging those two, bridging the two games. This issue, like, it's almost one of those things where, like, like you never want to go backwards, you know? Like, you just want to like, get get to know new stuff. This book, two issues in, and I already just want to go back and play the the first game, like, so bad. That's why I fucking love about Antool's writing on Aloy on this world, because, and mostly adapt, video game adapted comics aren't that great, let's be real. Mm. But this comic just makes me want to go back and play the game, which is just, like, and what you'd kind of like want from the, from the comic, you know? So yeah, the like high praises to Antul and the Rise of Zero Dawn book. It's just so fun. Yeah, definitely. And that takes us over to Oni Press. I got one Oni book and I'll make it very quick. It's Jana and the Unpossible Monsters. And it's number five. Written by Chris and Laura Samney. Art by Chris Samney. Colored by Matt Wilson. Letter by Crank. Um, so this, of course, is about the little cave girl and her sister, and they're trying to survive in this world of monsters. Um, they get taken in by somebody who's like, "Oh, there's a you know, there's a camp over here," and he takes them in this cave. And then, in this great moment, he's like showing them around, and and John is like um, very suspicious. Also, the design of John really lends to some very funny imagery hmm. that I love. And basically, you find out he was he was trying to kidnap them, and John is like pointing down in the cage and he pushes her into the cage. But this image, the way she just flips that, like, oh shit. Like, ah, like, that's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> he just yeets her down in this cage. <laughs> like, that's like, a surprise look, yeah. And so then you find out she's actually in a an arena. She was captured to fight in an arena. So it's her against this massive fucking thing. Oh, okay. And she fights it and beats its ass because that's what she does. She's basically Kid Goku, which I love. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to want to try to escape. I think that's going to be obviously the next plot, so that's really interesting. I also like that they followed up with the characters from before that they were hanging out with at the very beginning of this issue. I'm thinking that means they might actually go look for them. Maybe they'll actually hang out with them again because i did i did dug them with that group of people so hope that happens but i'm loving this book great all ages book i can't recommend it enough next up we got source point press and Josue is now going to tell us about cult of dracula yes now i will talk about cult of dracula uh done by rich davis uh or written by rich davis drawn by police calzada and colors by alex zeef and letters and designed by dave lentz so this different take on Dracula. In this case, it was like I did love this different take on being um, Lu- uh, Lucifer. Fucking um, oh my god, what the fuck is her name? 
Lilith. Lilith being like uh, the original sinner, yeah. Lilith being the original vampire, the original human demon for us. Uh, so I did love that spin. And the other spin on this one, instead of like the Bram Stoker Dracula, him being obsessed over Mina and having the and longing for Mina, Mina in this case, in this book, is actually uh, a descendant from Dracula. So, and this one, it all comes down to like, we've, we're finally at the at the at the last ritual. Check out this double page spread of like the whole forest just being a giant, uh, a giant uh, ritual. Yeah. It, it reminded me of last week when you showed me uh, space being a giant yes. ritual. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, so in this case, it's really cool. It's a giant pentagram like, in the forest and like a, a really cool tree just growing out of the middle. Uh, so yeah, it's a celebration. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good times. We're going to have our social blood orgy. Uh, and all, all in name for, for Mina to be joined in to vampirism. And you get a really cool moment between her and Lilith uh, finally actually in the circle, and Lilith is just like, there's no life within the circle, only death. She's kind of like saying like the, like the spiel of like right before you do this, and it's like, we are damned to wander forever, thirsting for blood. And she just says these words, I do not want this for you. And then Mina just re- Mina responds, and yeah, I choose it for myself. I was like, all right, so be it. So like, it's it's weird that even like drag like like the whole the whole point of all almost every big bad is so that his so that their legacy can continue so that they they can continue to be bad. But in this case, like this Dracula, this vampire doesn't want this new one to be a vampire. Almost like like she cares about her way too much just because like they are related. So like I, I like that. So but Mino is like, nah, fuck that. Like uh, put me in the call, bitch. <laughs> so she does it she bites down into mina and then she just screams like like her face like transforms more monster like she's like judas how and then mina opens her mouth and she's um she has like a little holy triangle like in her mouth like she was like hiding something she was mm-hmm. hiding it and then of course the three three angels show up three angels show up and they're just like aha we can finally do this because <laughs> they were like yeah her curse was to devour or to be cursed with uh, the thirst of all of adam's children Except for if she kind of like fuck with something holy. In this case, like how Mina was hiding that the this like holy totem uh, under like inside her, so it, it called them down, and now there she's able to. They're pretty much like they don't kill her. They pretty much like hold like they wipe away all the other vampires away. And in this case, like now she's like all alone, or like they, they there's like there's like, there's, like these dark auras that are kind of like holding Dracula down. Like she's like almost like really like powerless at this point, and it causes. Um, is it Lucy? I think it's, I mean, she already is a vampire. Another vampire basically impales like, like her chest from behind and, and like to get her, to get her heart. And Mina starts eating the heart and she becomes Queen Bee now as the new vampire, as the new vampire oh. queen. She looks super badass. Like her wings are transforming on her now. Holy shit. Yeah. And in this case, like they're, they almost have like a Gorgon bottom, like a snake bottom, which I also I thought was a really cool touch too. So, She's the new. Uh, she's the new queen bee. Uh, even uh, what's his face? Oh, God damn it, uh, Renfield. <laughs> uh, where, where's his line? He's just like, because it is a new Dracula. He's like, oh, like, do you love me now? And she's like, uh, no, <laughs> no. You're, you're still like, if, if like, if anything, everything became his fault. Like, because it was it was his fault. He was kind of the one luring everybody for Dracula. Um, but in this case, he was just oh, he was like, will you love me now? And <laughs> just like. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, instead of, like, cleaning up everything, all the bodies, like, nobody can really figure out, like, the horrors that happen here. Um, fucking Abe. Uh, Van Helsing. 
he's just like, nah, nah, let's just leave it. We'll, we'll pin it all on Renfield. Like, it, it'll, it'll be tight. So it ends there, and then we have some sort of a flash forward. Like, pretty much, like, it all ends, like, happy-go-lucky there. I mean, there was another demon that kind of came out. Like, I, I think it was, it was actually Lucifer that he came. He comes out. He doesn't, doesn't really explain himself, but he's just like, um, oh, it is my distinct pleasure to meet you again, Dracula. Because he, 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 ta- he just talks in black. Um, and he just kind of goes back into the tree. Like, the, the tree that was in the middle opens up, and it's all fire inside. And he just kind of goes through the portal, and so he, so he, so he leaves. Um, so, yeah, on that flash forward, Renfield... Uh, g- He's pretty much like in a straight jacket and he goes through this like glass window and he's just like, run! And I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure he's dead because it's just like this black doctor that's just like, Jesus Christ, you see these like spider <laughs> legs coming at him. So you just see through his perspective and him like fleeing and like trying to, trying to survive. And there's these spider monsters, like these other like, kind of like the, the vampires that you saw before. Some of them had that ability. And then the doctor gets stabbed, gets like gutted, and then we get some translation from German. Dearest, you are mine. You and I are one forever. Coming soon. Rise of Dracula. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's not over. Um, I'm actually into it now. Now that I actually know the full story, I, like the first two, those first two issues before you really know, knew it was like the whole Lilith story or the whole Lilith twist. They were kind of testing. I almost did drop this book, but then that, that Lilith review, I was like, all right, cool. I, I, I'm into it. I, I'm here. And now all these little twists and turns. Yeah, let, let's see. Hopefully the sequel actually turns around too. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and let's move on to Vault. Ooh, yes. Uh, we got two Vault books this week. First of all, let's talk about the Blue Flame. Okay. Blue Flame number four. Written by Christopher Cantwell, drawn by Adam Gorham, colored by Kurt Michael Russell, and lettered by Hassan Atsmani. Um, I'm starting to wonder if... No. like <laughs> They're doing a really good job of not telling us what's happening, but making us want to know. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Did Did this all happen to him? And then he actually became a superhero, do you think? <laughs> I don't. I mean, like, <laughs> this is like I, I hear you because this is the book that finally bridged those two better than any of the other books. Like, yeah, like, where he's like, I don't tell them about the shooting, basically. And it's yeah, just like, wait, the shooting actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh fuck. But, like, but, so like, even still, it was, to me, it was mostly the setting. Like, you get like his suit. How did, how would he survive? How we saw the, those beautiful pages of him in those cosmos, and then we just get this really grounded Earth where it's just like. Okay, well, the, the technology isn't there, but now you kind of see it in this issue and kind of like, okay, maybe the city does look a little bit more advanced than I was kind of giving you credit for. And so, yeah, I, I, maybe maybe they are. Maybe they do link up. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, ugh. and then they made the bit about the, the fuel. Yes. And they made the point that the girl made the fuel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe that has something to do with him getting powers. And I'm like, they're doing such a good job of making me think either he's crazy or this is actually happening and i still don't know and it's issue four mm-hmm. and the important part is is i still care yes like some books would pull something like this and i'd be like all right get to the point but this i'm like ooh, absolutely <laughs> so it's just way 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 really cool i'm really enjoying this book quite a bit not me too which is funny because when it came out we were like 
superheroes from vault mm. <laughs> now we're like this is great so <laughs> yeah um anything else you want to add about it uh no it's just that it's just like you, you you're absolutely right where and so many other books where you're just like i'm so done with this shit or i'm so done with this book or just like please give me something i'm looking at you promise me darkness uh but this book is just as a good job of like holding me down and being like all right i, I really want to know but it's just like it is enticing so yeah I, I can't wait for the answer gotcha yeah I'm, I'm really liking it so but that takes us to what is quickly becoming one of my favorite books actually oh, from vault dude yes <laughs> barbaric number three uh written by michael marici art by nathan gooden colors by addison duke and letter by jim campbell i got this cover Oh, that's a really good one. I actually didn't yeah. see that one. I actually like the inside page, like the yellow and purple. Oh, the yeah. Axe. That's oh, yeah, totally. It's just really cool. Yeah. So we were talking about a last issue where the first arc is only three issues in this mm-hmm. book. And so we were both kind of worried because we were really liking the the balance of the group. Yes. With Soren and our barbarian and the axe as a nice little trio. And we were kind of worried that she wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, she makes it, thank God. Because <laughs> uh, she's such a great character, and I would hate to see her wasted like that. So. Yeah. But the creators are smart. They know not to do that. And, yeah, they basically decide to team up and start working together. And so this whole first arc was basically just establishing their relationship and working together, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we got a tease of our next arc. Which would be to fight a vampire. Yes. <laughs> which, which is great because the the axe is basically a vampire. <laughs> I think that's great. But yeah, lots of fun action in this. Really cool like um like uh set pieces, like the giant the giant lizard. Yeah. And, like that was really dope. Uh it was very Norse mythy like feeling, like I love that. The whole bit where he throws the axe. <laughs> at the at the the thing to break it, the bulb. Yeah, it misses when it swings its tail around. Been like, ah, I nailed it. <laughs> like, just, that was great. I just this book is so much fun. I absolutely love it. it and I just a- love, I love the lines of this book. Like and by the lines, I mean the art. Mm-hmm. Like the way, like like this, like the way his hair, the way his hair tends to be like sharp, but then it's kind of like, but it's, it's yeah, not, it's not to make it too or detailed, like but it makes it wild. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's almost like um, like like it's almost like we're not reading the actual story. Mm-hmm. We're reading a book about what happened. I know that sounds weird, but you know, like typically when you want to do a comic book, you're writing, this you're panel, trying to show what happened. Yeah, that panel fucking ruled. Like he, he, they, they just have so much fun just drawing this fucking guy. Yeah, and just I, I just really, really enjoy it, and it's just so much fun, and I can't wait for more. So honestly, me too. And I, I just like I love almost like the whole like lore change that we're just gonna get into it's like cool it's like a, bar- a barbarian and we get some cool like magic and witches and stuff next up vampires like it's almost like it doesn't really go together but it just makes so much sense like being in this book that yeah I- i'm all about it and then just like the little there's still extra there's still some story to, to tell like at the end right before we get into like the whole vampire mess it's kind of like when she was kind of like, oh yeah, and like there was this one thing I, I, that was like in your in your mind that I just couldn't get to, and he's just like, that belongs to me. Like, don't fuck with that. And it's like, ooh, like what got a little touchy for him there? Like, what is it? Because he's just <laughs> he's such a badass. But it's like, what can you not get to this guy? Uh, so yeah, I'm very curious. 
Yeah, and it looks like we're not gonna. It's not coming back to twenty twenty two, unfortunately. Oh yeah, that sucks. But we'll we'll be here when it does. So. <laughs> All right, that takes us to image comic books. We got a stack. That's why he's got some solos. But before he gets to his solos for this week, I want to hear yet another book report, young man, about yes. Second Chances number one. Dude, Second Chances fucking ruled. Right? Like, I love a good book that just has crazy, wacky elements without going too crazy on, like, mysticism and different, like, integrating different lore. But just wacky characters are just, like, okay, these these almost like these characters saw too much TV and now they're just, like, running around. It just feels like such a great 90s vibe book in this, like, kind of noir setting. Like, just, okay, so there's, there's, there's elements, like the, like the the Ninja Onis, the 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 hot girl with like in all black with like the the bangs and the uh and the glasses especially with, at the, the end it's just like and like yeah. or and the and the detective that isn't like the bad like the badass detective like it's just like he's just literally just almost like just trugging along trying to trying to figure out this case you know all these weird elements are just like all right you're throwing away too many things at the wall here but they all stick they all work and it's just like Damn it! I just really enjoy this first issue. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I have an idea, but I still have no sense of like what is really happening all the way around. But I definitely yeah. want to know. Like, this one did a good job of, of explaining things, of like going from like point to point to point, and where I can still follow along. A little book that I kind of mentioned a little while ago that just is bad at it. But this is a great book that I'm just like, all right, new element, new element, but it just works in this world. Like, again, like these ninja onis are just like insanely cool. So dope. They're so cool. That was immediately when I thought of you, actually, at that point. Because <laughs> I, I was like, he's going to love this. Because that reminded me so much of Bleed Them Dry. Yes. Like, the aesthetic of it. And I was like, yes, he will love this just on this alone, if nothing else. So, yeah. And then, I gave, and then like, the part where it's kind of, like, like re-raised, like, just, like, the stakes in this, on this book for me, it was when he's still trying to figure out, like, he's, he's still trying to, like, follow this case through. And he gets, like, the big mansion, and he finds, like, the bodies, and, like, the, the person was killing him. But she's like zonked out, and like she sees him as a demon instead, and like, okay, there's there's something else happening here, and I I want to know, and then and then especially when that does like you see him here, right, normal black hair, white suit, mm-hmm. but then you get that reverse shot in this one. Oh yeah, and that and that's when I was like, again, like I don't want to knock that other book, but that book does that that it, it like it reverse it reverse images a lot of characters, and that's like oh shit, it's doing that thing that I like, so it's like. It's not that hard to just write a straightforward book. Sometimes I just I love I love the elements to um, you promised me darkness and I just I wish I could just follow it. I wish I just I, I need to dumb down. I guess I'm just admitting it. I need that book dumbed down for me from the author and be like, this is who this character is and this is what they do. So that when I read it, I can actually go, okay, that was cool. Like this book, second chances. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, all right, let's talk about our weekly uh, yes. for this week. Uh, let's talk about Department of Truth number twelve. <sighs> okay. Department of Truth, number 12. This one by James Tynan IV, artist by Martin Simmons, lettering by Dita Bidikar. <sighs> so, this book is called, I think this is called Revelations 2 as well. Um, but, man, are some things revealed. So, way back in issue 6, Cole got approached by the dude, uh, the Black Hat, like basically this other Department of Truth. <laughs> the Department of the truth, the rivals to the Department of the Truth, um, but they're basically almost like the same thing. They just almost like don't like this department. Um, the guy who runs that 
approach Cole and be like, hey, how about, how about you, you work for us instead? And he's like, I'll think about it. And the first thing he did was like go tell the department tree, like, hey, this happened. <laughs> so a good thing he's not, he's not keeping the secret or like, will he actually switch sides or not? The beginning of this book starts off very almost like wholesome. We get this like old, oldest cartoonish, like funny style. And mm-hmm. we're taken back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 1987, back to when Cole was a kid. So he's like drawn mm-hmm. in like in that mm-hmm. actual real aspect while everything else is like cartoonish. Yeah. And then. The mom is talking to somebody. You don't. You don't get to see who. Only you start get. You start figuring out who it is, and it's motherfucking Hawk, the old guy that's kind of been taking you around, like like the, the guy who just like doesn't give a shit what he says, but he's like actually yeah. the one dealing with all like the the conspiracies. I guess he was there from the beginning when Cole basically drew the the star face man, uh, way back then, and they kind of got around back to Department of Truth. He was assigned to go almost like deal with it in a sense. Um, and he has a great moment, a, a one-on-one moment with a very young Cole. Cause Cole just said, when the mom leaves for something, Cole goes up to me like, you're a liar. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. And then he goes, you're right. But I'll tell you a little secret. All grownups are liars. <laughs> and, and, and he just has like a real, like a moment where he just like, he tells him some sort of a truth, but it's almost like, but no one will believe you. So come back to the present. <laughs> And Cole is pretty much finishing that um, that Bigfoot job with Hawk in Oregon, and he's coming he's coming back home. Even his partner, like kind of, like, he was on the phone with him, and he was like, "Oh shit, like that's weird. Like, why would you go over there?" And he's like, "Oh, I was I was assigned to." And so she goes to now um, Lee Harvey Oswald, being like, "All right, so like, what the fuck was that? Was that all about?" And he goes like, "Oh yeah, no, like I, I had to sign off on it," and they kind of. It gets to him like, wait, what do you mean sign off? You had to sign off on it. You're the, you're the one that runs it. Oh, Hawk requested him. Like he like he's been he's been wanting him ever since Cole joined up. So you're like, wait, what the fuck? Why is he so interested in him? Or obviously because like he's known him since he was a kid. So come back to Hawk and Cole. Yeah, he's telling me he's gonna take him back to back home, and only ex- except um, no, that's that's not really the case, Hawk. <laughs> Hawk takes them to this site where there's like a, a bunch of Black Hawk helicopters. And off the bat, he's um Hawk goes like these helicopters like, oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? And Cole goes like, Yeah, like they hurt to look at though. Yeah, they do. Now what does that remind you of? They aren't real. They're tulpas? I guess helicopters are fucking tulpas in this world. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, he goes off to, like, explain this whole process on how fucking helicopters work. And you're like, what the fuck? And it goes into, like, the whole Reagan era, or at least, like, touching into, like, the bullshit on on the Reagan era. Basically, all it all comes down to, like, pretty much, like, Hawk has had enough. And, yeah, he's taking him home, back to Wisconsin, because Hawk has joined the Black Hat group. And we're going to, I guess we're going to face the Starface Man back at home, which is not really that Cole has been ready for, but I guess we're just going to push him over the edge. And, oh god, this... It sounds pretentious as fuck, but this book is essential. (laughs) God. (laughs) I love this book so much. It's like, what new conspiracies are going to pull out of your ass and then make me want to believe it so goddamn much. 
Yeah, that's the Department of Truth. It's just like it just it makes you want to believe what you don't want to believe, or vice versa, depending on how you read it. But the joke is going to be on you if you buy into it. Gotcha. It's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been telling me about it. I've been tempted. I'm not going to lie. So. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, next, tell me about That Texas Blood, number nine. Ooh, yes, That Texas Blood. This one by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. So we're still on that backstory from the early 80s on there was like this iconic Manson-esque dude kind of maybe kidnapping a few few kids. Um, And and all this came down to this reporter that kind of like was following this guy around. It's like, yo, so, and he ended up here. So he took it to the sheriffs and be like, we should probably go question him. And when they finally got some evidence, like they go knock on his door and it kind of just back also to like the present to this diner with like, like the sheriff who's like the old, the, the old sheriff and now like the, the new deputy. So she kind of started learning the ropes around here. It kind of goes back and forth, like between that story and so and, because he's telling her uh, in the present, and the kind of like, the whole underlying thing is that when they went to go question this guy over like the missing people, or if this guy even was him, um, they had that like that that cop feeling of like that something isn't right. Because um, like they even go like, "Can we come in and check it around?" And you're like, "Do you need a warrant for that?" And you're like, "We could, but then it's just going to be messier." So or it's like or unless you have uh, unless you don't have anything to hide and he's like all right fine sure come on in and the house is just like squeaky fucking clean and so yeah they get there because pretty much like the last missing girl that was reported was basically last seen around him so when they mention her she's like oh wait you're talking about mary like yo mary come down here and she comes and she comes down and then she's basically almost like in on it like what the reporter kind of like see like inspects off, off the bat is that she now has, like, a similar hand tattoo that he has. So I was like, all right, she's just, like, now she's just, like, um, part of the cult, or now she's just, like, working for him, but still something's not right. Only, and, like, and the, so everybody ends up leaving, all of the sheriffs end up leaving, it's like, it's like a waste of time. But the reporter's, like, put the tattoo, and it's like, and the sheriff's like, yo, like, that's not our fucking problem. You have to drop it. Of course he wasn't. Um... So he does like the reporter does some digging into like into like the local library, figures out what the symbol is. Is like some like Aztec symbol. So it kind of starts getting like like off. It's, it's like a bat off of like a mine glyph, basically. And so they basically kind of like connect another dot with another to kind of like go after him again. Um, because yeah, because now because now like the whole thing with like the na- the ominous name in the background, it was um, the Cult of Night, the Brotherhood of the Death Bat. And that's what the tattoo re- like represents. So I guess like we're we're trying to piece together like we're a little bit closer on like piecing together what this old mystery was because again like it started out like maybe this cult is resurfacing uh, like back in the present. So now we're just like kind of touching back in the like what happened way back then. So yeah, a very a very grounded issue, but another one that just like has has its has its uh, its hold on me. That Texas blood, I just really like it. Also, this cover like over like the new American Gothic. Yeah, yeah, I just I like the cover. It's pretty cool. All right. Um, next up, I got the old guard tales through time oh, yeah. number five. Uh, so it's two stories once again. First one written by Jason Aaron and art by Rafael Albuquerque. Uh, second one is written by Alejandro Arbona mm. and art by Kano. Uh, and colors written by Daniel Miwa and letters by Jody Wen. The first story, Josue. Right. I was like, I really want Josue to read this because <laughs> I think he'll get a kick out of it. It's funny. It's called An Old Soul. Okay. And 
It features, of course, one of our immortal guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in 1978, so it's one of the newer stories they're doing. And he's just an alcoholic. And he basically is just like, you know what? Uh, like, basically, there's like uh, this church uh, church being like, hey, come down here. We'll, you know, help you be pure. Um, you know, no more porn, no more drinking, etc. He's like, fuck it, why not? You know, <laughs> like, so yeah. he goes down there. And it's these nuns and they're preaching and sa- stuff. And um, he finds out they're actually seeing some pretty like brutal things. Like um, they, they all pull up pistols. They all have like pistols oh, and they're like, you know, with father God in our hearts and mother carbine in our hands. Can I get an amen? And he's like, <laughs> what is and it? He goes, a king of the hill. Vaya con Dios. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, inquisitions never change much. Do they? And they're like, welcome center and stuff. And then they pull their guns and he pulls a gun out himself and shoots himself in the head and dies. Ooh. And it's funny because the ner- the nuns are like, oh, great, another one. Basically, like another lost sinner to drag him out by the dumpsters. Uh-huh. And then he heals because he's one of the immortals, yeah. right? And they're all freaking out. And he's like, so tell me, sisters, if the son of a bitch God really does exist, how the fuck does he let something like me happen, huh? <laughs> Take your time. I got nowhere else to be. So that's funny alone, right? Oh, dude, to, to instill that that fear of like, oh, you're gonna, you're, I'm gonna make you doubt this motherfucker. I would it love goes that. beyond. It goes <laughs> yes. beyond what you yes. imagine. Three months later, it cuts to three months later in Guyana, and uh, our main character uh, from the from the story from the movies, um, what was her name? Andy, and and I can't remember the full name, but Andy. Um, you see her on this South American like village and she's killing a bunch of nuns and they're like, you know, we must hold the tabernacle at all costs. And like, how many are attacking? Just one, one. She can't hold us back. She's a demon from hell. And she shows up and it's him strapped to an X basically (laughs) naked. And he's like, please tell me you didn't kill all my nuns. And she goes, what? She's basically like, this isn't what you think, Andy. She's like, Jesus, have they been killing you? He's like, sometimes they take turns murdering me. And, uh, and he goes, she goes, oh, and what? And they just. Holy shit. He's been fucking all these nuns. Oh my God. <laughs> so he basically was like, they don't know if I'm a devil or an angel, but they're convinced I'm proof that Armageddon is here and they can use my bodily fluids. It's like, just stop talking. Oh my God. Holy shit. And then they just murdered the rest of the nuns on the way out. Basically. <laughs> like, it's just, it was funny as hell. Oh, that is so good. And then the second story was such a weird downturn after that. I really <laughs> like it, but it's such a weird transition. Um, this second one's more like a picture of everything else. <laughs> like, oh my it's God. like, it's like set in France. Um, and it's like way back in the day and they're basically at a restaurant and they're talking about the nature of a restaurant. Cause this is when restaurants were new, basically mm. where you had to order off a menu. And then there's some guy there that was used to serve with Napoleon and helped kill the, you know, kill the aristocracy and the revolution and all this. And there's this whole fight and stuff. And it, it was really good, but it was so off putting after the, the, <laughs> the nun story that I was just really great. But I love it. There's only one issue left. Oh, okay. So, and they did announce the two writers or the two creative teams. The first one is called Many Happy Returns, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Vidayala oh. with Nicholas Scott doing the art. Nice. 
And the second one's called The Bear, and it's written by Greg Rucco with Leandro Fernandez doing the art. So, cool, cool. Coming back to close I, it off, that's cool. Yeah. I just love the the, how, the crazy creative teams they're getting for this. It's so much fun. <laughs> I, honestly, that's exactly how like how I would use my powers of immortality. I don't know about the whole orgy thing, but like just like casting <laughs> doubt on like the clergy. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I also got two number seven. Mm. CHU, that is for those yeah. of you out there. Um, written in letter by John Lehman, drawn in color by Dan Boltwood. Um, so Saffron and her crew find out about a new thing in the last one where they're going to steal this ancient bottle of wine. And I love... There's things that John Lehman does that I absolutely love in Shu. One of the things is all the crimes related to food for some reason. <laughs> it always is because everybody's names are food. So it's, you know, Chu and Saffron and... Yeah, they all have these like food-based names. And he also writes these really really good um like heists that are so cool and if you took out the little cheesy food jokes would actually be an amazing heist. <laughs> and it's still an amazing heist. I absolutely love it. But like the average person would be like, "Oh, what a cool heist." And you know, but it's just so great. So, of course, Saffron's ability is that she's a psychopath when she eats the exact same thing as someone else next to them, she can read their mind. <laughs> so that's how she cons people. Is she, she takes them out to dinner and has them order, and she's like, I'll have the exact same thing. And then she sits there and stares at them and reads their mind while they eat, basically. <laughs> so I love her so much. And they have this team. It's like Mr. Muscle. And I, I love the cartoonishness of Chew, too. Like, you can see the crew here. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And... The, they're like, oh, you know, here's the people. This is Monsieur Patassier, and he's he's already the baker, and he just baked them gingerbread cookies in their shapes. <laughs> That's awesome. And they're like, and because everybody's powers are related to food in this world, they're like, ooh, do these do anything? They're like, they're very special. They're very delicious. And the editor's note is, the gingerbreads, while tasty, are perfectly ordinary. <laughs> it's just, and like, just little notes like that, and they talk about who, who it is, like, uh, you know, Mr. Muscle, Crowd Control, Miss Cookie, Influence, agitation, and persuasion. Mr. Quick, getaway driver, and all these people. And, um, yeah, basically, like, what you find out is they're doing this thing where they're going to steal this bottle of wine, right? And in the end, uh, Saffron's about to steal it when Mr. Muscle shows up. And she's like, Mr. Muscle? He's like, it's actually Mr. Double Cross, which is great. And he's like, I'm going to double cross you. And she goes to shoot her, and his gun misfires, and she's like, basically like i saw your plan i saw the double cross he's like when we we're eating the gingerbread that's why he made the gingerbread cookies so she could read everybody's minds ah, nice so then she blows his brains out and there's no escape route and what she had found out is the bottles of wine they were stealing which were worth millions of dollars that were lost in the shipwreck when you drink them you travel through time <gasps> oh, cool. so that was her escape plan and you're left with this Ooh. Yeah, so I love this book. It's so yeah, it's stupid. really cool. I love it so much. <laughs> like, but yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. I love Chew. Absolutely love it. So now we're going to talk about two image books that we share. Yes, and we're going to start with the number one Hostway. So this is a unique book. I want to go ahead and give a heads up to our people out there. This is a landscape book, so it's done uh, flat. Yes, like horizontal instead of vertical. Did you ever read? Uh, the Private Eye by BKB. No, I did not. It was like in, it was like in the same style, like in the same landscape mm-hmm. format. And so was Barrier. Um, 
Did he do that one too? I who, 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 who wrote Barrier. Uh, but yeah, but the private eye is actually really cool too. Nice. This one is called Echo Lance. And the first thing I want to say is this is some nice high quality paper. Oh, yeah. It's a really nice fancy book. So <laughs> I had to go with the variant um, on this one. Like that one just looked really cool. I went with the the, the OG. Hood. Yeah, she, yeah. Looks, she looks really cool. Yeah, so uh, written by J.H. Williams the third and W or W. Hayden Blackman, uh, the co-creators and writers. Um, J.H. Williams does the art and design. Dave Stewart does the colors, and Todd Klein the letters. Um, this book is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is lush. Is the first word I came up That's with. That's good. Yes. Like this again. I sent you this shot, but this whole fucking two-page spread, mm-hmm. the second page is just most of it is taken up by her cloak, her red cloak. Yes. In the most artistic way. And I remember when JH was doing Batwoman and I immediately remembered, oh yeah, that's how great Batwoman was. I remember <laughs> this now. So um but yeah it's really cool. It's in it's set in this really interesting world. There's a bit of magic going on. It's a little bit of medieval thing going on, but it's also a little bit more modernized. Like it's it's really kind of cool. I'm digging it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is there's wasn't a ton in the first issue because a good like probably quarter of it was taken up with like info pages and things like that, yeah. which happens with the first issue sometimes. So, um, but we do get some really awesome character designs. Yes, and this thing. It's yeah. creepy as hell, like the thing at the last page. Oh, guys. yeah. So I really dug this, and I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. And I just thought I was going to check to see if this would even fit in a bag. Have you tried? Oh, so, I mean, it just goes the other way. I think it's still it's still a regular comic book. It just go- I was thinking it might be too, t- too tall. Maybe not. No, it's the same thing. It just goes the other way. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure. I was just thinking, like, oh, crap, this might be too tall. So good. That'll fit in my boxes, too. So, um. <laughs> But yeah, no, this is really cool. It's a unique way to do it, and I really like the art. And it is right immature, just so you guys know. And it's very violent in oh, an yeah. awesome There's way. A great head explosion. This, this fucking shit. Yes, yeah, that. And what if she? She just says like red, right? Yeah, she just says red. So, uh, so good. Really, really enjoyed this. So I'm curious to see where it goes. And yeah, um, what do you think? I, I, I fucking loved it. Like the setting, the world, like everything. Cause like you think it's just set in one time, but then you just get to the city and you're like, Oh, it's very steampunk. It almost, it kind of looks like Gotham. Like, like, like the way Gotham looked back in the late eighties and nineties with like the blimps going around, you know? And I fucking love this style being in landscape, being horizontal this way. Cause I read, um, second chances right before this one. So it's cool mm-hmm. to get like a cool, uh, I mean, in that book, it, it painted the city very well. But what Echolands like just utilizes based on their landscape format is that they, they'll have like these like panels like set on top of like the backdrop. And it's just like, why have like eight inches of like city background when you can have like 24 inches worth of like beautiful city, you know, like like a panorama. It's, it's such a panorama take. Yeah. So I, I fucking love just being able to like go from side, like an actual full head turn on seeing like how the city works. Basically. It's really cool. I, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad that I did pick up this book. I was, I was on the fence about it. Cause like I was, I was like kind of like doing my own savings, but then like a lot of issues, a lot of books have ended. So I was like, you know what? This is, has to be one of those editions. So but I'm so happy. I yeah. called this one. Yeah, definitely. And that takes us to our last image book, which is Die 19. Holy shit. Oh, God, this 
Fuck. There's only one issue left, Hosway. I know. I know. Written by Karen Gillan. Drawn by Stephanie Hans. Letter by Clayton Cowles. Uh, so our group is getting to their destination. They're going to escape the world of die. Mm-hmm. And I texted Josue, I did not expect that. Yeah. And what I was referring to was the fact that Ash basically ran into her true self. Yep. And for about a third to a half of the book, the story grinds to a halt. Yep. In a good way. I want to make this clear. I'm not saying it's bad. Grinds to a halt in a good way. And we just address the idea of sexual identity. Yep. And this extended conversation that I thought was handled so fucking well. Yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember you and I having that conversation when this book first came out or when we were first mm-hmm. talking about that first issue. I'm like, oh, like, what does it really mean? Like playing a, uh, a different gender, like from like your true self in, the, in a game. It's just a game. But then we kind of felt that there was a little bit more to Ash here. Mm. I mean, Ash, who in this book acknowledges they identify primarily as male in the real world and they are they were born as you know male facing mm-hmm. um did play a woman in this world fell in love with a man gave birth yeah you know that's a major thing and you know i'm I'm just like it's so fascinating and how weird would it must have been for ash to go back to being in a male body because they, were, those they years, were yeah. a female for a very long time you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so and then I like the neutral part of it. Like they're gender queer. They're, they don't know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes they feel this way, you know what I mean? And yeah. I thought that was really well handled. I don't think there's a lot of media that really handles the, the whole, sometimes I just don't feel the same way. You know what I mean? Like that it's either you're this or this, or you're dead set in the middle. And you're neither, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's always what it's portrayed as. And I really, really like the way this was handled. Um, the other major theme of this issue was the fact that the group is slowly giving up their thing and die each and every one of them. Yeah. And I, it's, there's, they're, they have less and less advantages as we go on. And it's just so fascinating. And they, they find, they get to the end and they come face to face with die and they simply ask, what am I for? And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, it's so good. Like, goddamn. <laughs> like, also, I love that Matthew Mercer did a letter at the end. I should point that out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matthew Mercer's absolutely incredible. He's, he's, he's the best DM in the world. That's what he's basically <laughs> acknowledged as. So it's really cool that he did that. But, dude, this story and, you know, Chuck doing the thing because everybody already hates him. Oh, yeah, I know. You know, might as well do it himself, you know what I mean? Like, and just everybody's sacrificing. And you find out that um, that one of the thing, one of the big things I thought was that Soul made this game in part to help Ash come to grips with their identity. And man, mm-hmm. that that puts such a twist on their relationship. And everything that's happened between those two. And it, it went from a relationship that I was kind of like, this is a cool friendship. I enjoy this. Not my favorite. 
you know, in the story mm-hmm. to being like, there's so many layers to this that we didn't see. And yes. now I got to go back and read it all like, oh, and, and find out again, you know? So I loved this issue. I, and I, I remember how kind of like weird or eerie soul came out to be like that first night, you know, like mm-hmm. he almost said, he almost came off like, I was like, he would be the villain. But then you know, I will probably, we, we will read it differently. That's the, the, the second go around where it's just like, he's just so anxious to just get Ash in this game. And just like almost like get them there, and it's like I, I again I, I also agree I did not see them facing tackling this issue just on the penultimate issue for almost the, most of the issue for the first half of the issue, but it was like just perfect. Like a lot of I love how Kieran tackles so many just like either like coming out stories or just like having people deal with like um, their own personal struggles or like how they want to be like going back to, to like Wiktiv does like a great job with so many characters. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just so happy we finally came around with Ash. It was such a, a dope moment. I was just like one that should be talked about or should be remembered down the line uh, for one of his great moments. But fuck. Yeah. I just, I don't want to see this book. go. <laughs> I know it's a shame, but you know, if it's perfect as it is, then I'm fine with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so I'm really looking forward to the last issue. I think we're going to have a tough time reviewing that one. So <laughs> oh, I know. I hope it's a little giant size book too. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to the big two as always, starting with DC. Um, Houseway, unfortunately was unable to get DC books this week. Yes. There was a weird yeah, so delay on a lot of the stories. You got none of them, right? Um, I did. Uh, see, that's the that thing, you like, were able to review, right? That I was able to review. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I'll run through them. The ones we share. I'll try to be spoiler light. Okay. Uh, but honestly, there's not a lot to spoil in Robin. That would be like the one, really. I mean, things happen, but nothing super spoily. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into it. I'm going to start with Icon and Rocket number two, though. Ooh, okay. Part of the Milestone relaunch, uh, written by Reginald Hudlin, pencils by Doug Braithwaite, inks by Andrew Curry, colored by Brad Anderson, and letters by Ann World. Um, this was cool. So basically, Rocket convinced an Icon, let's be superheroes, and... This kind of shows them doing so and fighting a bunch of, you know, drug dealers. And the crime in their neighborhood goes down drastically. And the cops are like, yeah, well, we, we instituted a no, no tolerance thing. And they're like, you didn't do shit. <laughs> like, it, it was like kind of rocket. And the cops hate that and stuff. And then we meet a person who works for the government. And you find out that he's been working with the agency, quote, for generations, long before your great-grandparents were born. And he encountered Icon when he was originally on Earth, which we discussed last time. He was taken in by slaves mm-hmm. and raised. And so what happened was, once he got his full strength, he fought the slave slave owners and kicked them out of their own plantation. And was like, get the fuck out. If any, if any slaves show up here, they're free, period. You can't attack anybody. So, like, all these, you know, southern white dudes decide to go ahead and attack him. They show up and they see oh, this. Yes. A messiah. <laughs> and he just fucking obliterates all of them. Oh, good. So, um, basically, yeah, they, they go ahead and um, attack him. And then he goes on the offensive. And this is where it gets crazy. He goes to the seat of the Confederacy, destroys the Capitol, and comes out with the severed head of Jefferson Davis. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I just need this issue just for that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And so basically he's like, that's what happened last time. You know, he's like, and we, uh, they actually ended up killing him 
but of course he ended up surviving. And uh, so it's just really interesting. This guy has been around that long, so he's going to be his arch nemesis. Mm. And everybody's already figured out who Rocket is, her secret identity. Okay. But they can't prove it because literally nobody in the neighborhood is talking. That's great. <laughs> yes. Like, they're, they're asking the kids who she saved, and they're like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> it's so funny. What? What'd so, you say? Ain't no yeah. snitches in this place. So I really, really enjoyed it. So next up, uh, Ruby Justice League number five. Mm-hmm. Deluxe cover. I don't like Cyborg snuggling up to my girl Weiss, but I'll take it. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) Uh, Written by Marguerite Bennett. Art by Stephanie Pepper. Color by Hi-Fi and letter by Gabrielle Downey. So this is when they start, like, they got the group together. And now they realize, hey, we got to go ahead and go, like, fight the bad guy. Which we know is the same bad guy as the most recent Suicide Squad movie. Which is ironic timing, because the 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 tone of these this book versus that movie could not possibly be different. <laughs> so, um, basically, yeah, they're they're just learning to work together. They have a bunch of cute little character moments and stuff. There's yet again, I told you before, there's a a uh, two girl um, a ship that the fandom and Ruby absolutely love, and oh, they yeah. keep hinting at it here, <laughs> including. Her basically saying in front of her bedroom door in pajamas saying, so what does someone do when they're waiting for the final battle to come to the <laughs> other girl who then makes this face yep. and then neither of them appear the rest of the night. What am I supposed to drive? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so basically they're, they're teaming up and they're going to go fight him. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, it's just like the it's the penultimate episode. It's the good guys getting ready to fight, you know, mm-hmm. the big bad. So really, really cool. I'm digging it. Um, but yeah, really super enjoying it. And also uh, Aquaman is really good in this issue. He's really cool. funny. So, but yeah. Um, try to think if there's anything else I want to bring up. Nope, we're good. So next up, checkmate number three awesome variant cover Ooh, yeah i get a glare with these variants though so deluxe cover uh so this one is uh checkmate three and this is the one where it's the people running leviathan and they're opposing checkmate so it's like shield versus hammer kind of thing going um written by brian michael bendis drawn by alex maleev colored by dave stewart and letter by josh reed uh, there's some great reveals in this, and I'm not going to talk about them because they're really great. Oh, yeah, fuck it, I'll talk about them. Um, basically, Superman rescues Talia from Leviathan, and Leviathan's like, "Hey, this is our country. What? Do you, why are you invading our country?" And Talia killed a bunch of them trying to escape. So, like, she murdered our citizens, and now you're helping her escape. And so they're setting everything up. In the meantime, they also kidnap Lois Lane. So it's just like some shit's going down. Well, we find out that Talia is actually a triple agent and is working for the bad guys because I can't have anything nice. <laughs> so uh, basically, she they did it all on purpose. And she's like, did I kill the right ones? And they're like, yes, exactly the right ones and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's just interesting. I, I'm really enjoying it. I like the, the, the espionage of it all. Love that stuff in general. So. Next up, Detective Comics 1042. This is the 
Finalement, the final issue of The Jury, which is the arc that's been going on with Batman and um, with Penguin and that whole shit that's going down. Mr. Worth, uh, written by Mariko Tamaki, penciled by Victor Bogdanovich, inked by Daniel Harik and Victor Bogdanovich, colored by Jordi Belair, letter by Aditi Bedekar. When we last left off, Batman was uh, infected with Hugh Vile's uh, parasite. And which led us to led to this awesome shot. Nice, yeah, yeah. And basically, uh, Worth and Penguin think that Batman's the one that that did all this, and they're they're curious about. It. There's another awesome shot, by the way. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. It's just it's full on monstering now. It's great. And Batman's about to kill him, Mister Worth, and stuff, and everything. Huntress actually shows up. And uh, she's the one, of course, that's opposed to Hugh Vile directly. And um, Batman manages to, first of all, not kill the guy, even though he's under the influence of the, the thing. And he managed to handcuff himself so he doesn't hurt anybody else. There's actually a funny moment later on. She's like, how did you manage to do that? He's like, do you know how many times I've been in like low, I, I've been oxygen deprived and, you know, all this stuff. He's like, I can do this basically without thinking about it at this point. So, um. So Huntress goes and finds Hugh Vile, who's who's there. Now Hugh has the original parasite that infect, infected everybody, right? Batman attacks her from behind. She throws she judo throws him over her shoulder into Hugh. He spits up the parasite oh. and she shoots it out of midair with her crossbow. Oh shit. Kills it immediately. So she does, Hugh Vile withers and dies. Mm-hmm. And Batman's okay. Everybody's okay. It's all going good. And then they're doing the the autopsy of Hugh Vile as the postscript. And they're like, hey, what's in here? It's like, what are these eggs? And you see them roll towards the drain. So, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the issue is taken up with a tease for more Task Force Z stuff. Oh, okay. Which is going to be the one with Red Hood leading what looks to be a bunch of undead villains. Yeah. So it's kind of teasing towards that in this, but we still haven't got much of a confirmation. Like, I'm so. only interested in that book because of Jason running in and Mr. Bloom, which I re- referenced before from one of the original villains that uh, Snyder did on the Big 52 Batman run. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to see him integrated in like the now yeah. new new canon. It looks like Arkham Knight's going to be involved too, by the way. Oh, okay. So, uh, next up, Harley Quinn, number six. Um... So you remember the art for the first five issues of this with Riley Rossmo? Yeah. And I was like, it's a weird art. It's unique. Yeah. And at first I was kind of like, I'm not sure. And then I really started to like it, right? Mm-hmm. It changed artists. <laughs> so written by Stephanie Phillips. Art's Laura Braga, who is excellent, by the way. Uh, colored by Reef Prianto. Letter by End World Design. I kind of miss Riley Rossmo. Really? I'm not going to lie. It's weird. I kind of got attached to it. I don't know if it's a permanent change or just one issue. Okay. We'll see. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I do like the way Laura does this. And I think Laura is more suited to this story because this is Harley trying to get help from Catwoman the entire time. It's just a crossover. And Harley's basically, like, being like, please help me. And Catwoman's like, no. And then Catwoman does something badass. And Harley's like, you're so hot. Basically, that's the entire story. But it's great. Um, And basically, the only way she's able to get Catwoman to agree to help her is basically say, help me and I'll swear I'll never come back. She's like, deal, basically. (laughs) So, um, Also, the Grundy plushie makes a return. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I know that Stephanie saw my tweet about it and was like, speaking into the universe. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, hopefully one day. Um, but yeah, basically they work together. And at one point they throw a vial of poison at Selena's face and Harley pushes Selena all the way and it hits her instead. And they're able to counteract it. Um, but basically they, because Harley's been, you know, doped up a hundred times by the Joker, she had a little bit more resistance. Mm-hmm. It basically would have killed Selena is what oh, happened. Shit. So, so she saved her life. Oh yeah. Here's Harley cuddling with the Grundy plushie. Oh, I see. Oh, it is different. It's very different. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The art's completely different now. So, but again, they basically agree. They helped her, and she's like, "More team up." She's like, "Let's. We'll see where this goes." You know. And so, yeah, it was a fun little self-contained story. I really dug it. So, surprised myself how much I like this book, man. <laughs> I just, I just never liked Harley, but this book's doing a really good job of making me like her. So, mm-hmm. way better than the movies is doing is what I'll say. So, oh, okay. She's yeah. actually a lot better in the Suicide Squad. Eh, that's debatable. <laughs> I mean, we could have a conversation about that. Specifically where the movie grinds to a halt for about 20 minutes so she can have a side story romance for some reason whatsoever. <laughs> We're talking about like, Harry, like Harley, the character, not what happens to her in the movie compared to the other... She can only work with what she's given. <laughs> like, so. I like her attitude more, though, in, in this movie compared to the other ones. So eh, yeah, it's all right. We won't get into that. We'll be here all day. <laughs> so, Next up, Robin number five. Written by Josh Williamson, art by Gleb Melkinoff, colored by Luis Guerrero, letter by Troy Pateri. So the whole story behind this one is Robin needs to get back to the island before the tournament begins. But all the other Robins, Tim, Dick, Jason, and Stephanie, are trying to stop him. And it's basically them trying to stop him the entire time. So there's no huge plot developments here. Uh, Spoiler, he does get back in time. Hmm. So, yeah. But there's some great little character moments, right? Where they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm I'm do- writing a I'm doing a case. Don't you trust me?" And they're like, you know, trying to basically he says, "If you catch me, I'll go home." Basically, so they're all chasing him across the rooftops, and it's great because they're like, you know, uh, Jason says, "It's been a while since we've had a rooftop race." <laughs> like all cheesy, <laughs> like I love it. Um, but they're they're chasing him and. It's great because um, he throws little digs at them and kind of kind of outsmarts each of them in a way. Mm-hmm. Like um, Stephanie says, I know we all had our difference in the past. And Tim's like, like when Damien, Damien slipped my throat, she's like, you're not helping Tim. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I've learned we work better together. And then Damien says, is that why you and Tim are on a break? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, he takes the two of them out. Um, long story short, they uh, he cuts Dick's line that he's using to repel, mm-hmm. and Dick's falling. He just goes, "That's just mean." <laughs> <laughs> and then he confronts Jason, and there's this great moment where Jason pulls out a gun. It's a Trent gun, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Uh, everyone acts like you're so cool because you're the Robin who died, but who hasn't died? I'd love to help you catch up, but I left my crowbar in my other case." <gasps> Jason's like, you're trying to make me angry, so my aim is off. And then this line, I told Liz about this. I've watched you for years, Jason. Grayson is the best, most experienced. Tim is out of earshot, so I'll say this. He's probably the smartest. Spoiler's the bravest, but you, you're the most emotional. And he walks up and hugs Tim. Or, or, or hugs Jason. 
And Jason's like shocked and hugs him back. <laughs> and Damon electrocutes him. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So he's getting away. He's about to get on the boat and he gets happy birthday and Dick shows up. Mm. And Dick has a present for him and he opens it up and it's a metal bar that just says versus the world on it. What? And he says, when I was leaving for college, Alfred told me uh, that he knew I could take on the world. That's made from a trapeze bar in my family's act. Act. Alfred got it and painted it black for me. And we remember that came from two worlds, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just really sweet, right? Mm-hmm. And Damien starts crying. And he reveals that he actually saw Alfred die. Yeah. Like, he's the only one of them that actually saw. He's like, I was there. He's like, death has been a part of my life since the day I was born. But I didn't get it until I heard his neck snap. Oh. Uh, I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, it's so sad. And the best part is then D- Dick is talking to him. And he's like, uh, right here. For a long time, I was Batman's sidekick or the leader of the Titans. It took a bit for me to figure out who I was away from that. He's like, why are you telling me this? Tim, Steph, Jason, we were all Robins to Bruce first. But you were my Robin. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's literally my favorite era of Batman. That is, is so that era of Batman. What book so. is this again? Robin, five. Oh, my God. I'm going to go get it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's so good. And then basically... Dick lets him go. He's like, I trust you. Do your mission. So he shows back up on the island and he's like, I'm here. And then tournament begins. That's the last page. Oh, nice. So, oh, that is so, so beautiful. Good. But you, you are my Robin. Oh my God. Kill me. That is so good. <laughs> I, I loved the interaction between the two of them when they were Batman and Robin. That was mm-hmm. easily my favorite Batman like chemistry. So, oh, so good. And then I'll give a quick overview of Superman versus Lobo. Because this way I hasn't had a chance to read it yet. Yeah. Um, Tim Seeley and Sarah Beattie writing, Merka and Dolfo drawing. Man, what a team. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, colored by Reef Prianto and lettered by Fabiola Media. Um, I got this cover. Oh, yeah. So, cover this is a very funny book. Um, <laughs> long story short, Lobo's Lobo and just starts a bunch of shit. Long, long, I mean, it really is it. Um, it revolves around a girl from the future who is a scientist who likes to study the last survivor of a species. Okay. Both Superman, hey, as far as she knows, and Lobo are last survivors of their species. <laughs> so she's following Lobo around, studying him and stuff like that. And it's typical Lobo hijinks, but imagine it written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beattie. Oh, God, yes. So it's good stuff. If I wanted this. Um, yeah. Uh, and Superman ends up saving the day. When Lobo tries to save the day and fails, Superman ends up saving it. And Lobo's like pissed off about it and stuff. Um, and yeah, they just have this conflict the entire book and it's fucking hilarious. And there's a thing with Toy Man where they have to defeat Toy Man, which was great. Um, but yeah, they never get along at any point during this story. It's it's just really good. And then at the end... Um, Long story short, you know what a tardigrade is, right? The little microscopic water bear things. Okay. They're little teeny things. You can't see them. Yeah. But they basically can survive any environment. At one point, they fight a gigantic one. And Lobo stabs it because that's how he solves all problems. Yeah. Well, they find out at the end, it comes back to them and is talking to them. And is like, he explains that by Lobo stabbing him, it actually 
like what was disorienting him. It basically imagine the lion you move the, the Thor from its paw. That's basically what it did. Oh my god! It made it happy and like freed it. And he's and Lobo, you can see Lobo's almost like well, that's not what I meant to do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and he's like, um, I know the profound loneliness you must feel because I'm the last survivor of my species. He's like, so return for your help, mind you. This thing is eating a slice of pizza while it's talking, which is adorable. Um, it says, "I would like to give you what you most desire." He's like, "Farewell and enjoy my reward." And he says, "Using the great power pulsing in my cosmic heart, I restored their lost planets and sent them there." Yeah, and then he said, um, "He said, uh, where is it, boy? Oh yeah." He says, when he's doing the whole speech, he says. Lobo of Krypton and Superman of Zarnia. And then when he restores them and disappears, the girl that's studying them is like, wait a minute. Oh shit. You say Superman of Zarnia and Lobo of Krypton? <laughs> they were sent to the wrong planet. Oh no shit. So that's where it leaves off. So yeah. Love that it. should be fun. Superman on Zarnia would be really a lot of fun. I would so. also love it if this was just a, a quick little side quest of like Crush still being like in prison after like the Lobo swap. I would love yes. if this would be like, a little bit of continuity. Because it seems like Lobo is just like parting it up in this resort and like like take like just basking in this little moment before he probably has to go yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's DC. Now we're gonna talk about Marvel Comics. Yes. As always, we're gonna wrap up with Marvel. Josue, talk to me about Spider Man Life Story Annual. Ooh, okay. It was really cool to come back to this. Spider Man Life Story Annual Number One. Does it take place after the last issue? It takes place... Um, no, not after. Okay. This one by Chip Zarsky, uh, drawn by Mark Bagley, so it's always nice to see him come back, uh, colored by Andrew Hennessy and uh, Matt Miller done the, doing the letters. This one is all about, not Spidey, but JJ. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's all about his time on what and his deal. So we only get to see... The span from 1965 to, um, I believe it was 2001, but it doesn't have to do anything with 9-11. Um, it, it's just like the, the span that we see of JJ. And in this case, because again, life story and the consequences of having it be in real life and then all, I mean, time happening in real time here in, in this set of comics, uh, we all know JJ is the one that got Matt Gargan to, to we the Scorpion, the Scorpion went fucking crazy. So in this story, in this world, when it came down back to like, all right, it was JJ's fault. He actually went to prison basically for life uh, in this story. So we follow him around and, or even still, even uh, where he didn't, sorry, it, it was start, um, not from the first one, uh, a few years down the line. And cause it starts in 1965 when he first uh, transformed uh, Scorpion. And then when he did like his own, um, spider slayer um outfit and then and we jumped to 1966 and captain stacy shows up at jj's door and being like yo gargan is gonna is gonna die but he kind of he, he cut a deal and he basically told us everything so and this is when uh, a year later he gets prosecuted and now jj's in prison for the rest of his life basically um he has some run-ins with um uh norman because uh, he, cause he's also behind bars, because in this case, he also fucking tracked down, uh, he also got caught. There's some moments with uh, between JJ and his son, the astronaut, like the, the American hero. John. Yeah, the, John, the American hero. And it's just sad because they have that, like, just like the, the phone conversation, like between like the wall, between like the glass wall. And oh. JJ is just still like, it's all Spider Man's fault. And it's like, 
bro, like, let it fucking go. Like, you're here now. Like, I'm your son, and you're going to miss out on everything. And basically, that's what happens. He just walks out, and JJ's like, fuck, I'm sorry. Cut to 10 years later, 1977. And JJ's starting to write down his memoirs and going to basically be like, it's all Spider-Man's fault still. still. <laughs> um, uh, Norman gets a call, or and Norman drop, drops by, like, this one part, and just be like, oh, hey, by the way, um, that's Spider-Man. And JJ's like, dude, just leave me the fuck alone. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I just actually want to, uh, I need, I want to give you an update. Apparently, you were maybe right, JJ. Uh, Spider-Man killed a woman, and it was one of uh, a wife of one of your employees, Peter Parker, I believe. And JJ's like, oh shit, like let me just call you, like. And so he literally, uh, it took him a year, um, to call Peter and be like, yo, I'm fucking sorry, but like, I was right, you know. Still, still, I was right, you know. Like the Spider-Man is a menace, and Peter's just like, oh fuck, how the fuck do I handle this conversation right now, you know? In this case, in Life Story, he did marry Gwen Stacy, and that's basically who's being referred to as who died. Um, so Peter just kind of like cuts ties with him and be like, dude, like you just have to again. It all just comes almost almost kind of comes down to like you have to let it go, you old you old crazy man. And Jay just like still just relentless, still not there. Cut down to another what almost twenty years, nineteen ninety two. And everybody's just so fucking old. Norman is just Norman and Judy are just old men, and they're just like doing like their little like circle therapy like meetings like in prison still, and talking about how um, Norman is like he's like kind of pretty much like getting close to so he can actually finally be released. And JD just has like a, a moment again, cut down to three years later, nineteen ninety five, and JD is still just like writing to himself. And like, a wind passes by and like knocks a few papers over. The therapist or like the lady that was like running like the circle back then too, like three years ago, kind of like is there. Her name is Miss Carol. Uh, she's now she's helping JJ and be like, and she's kind of like down in her dumps because she. Re- At this point, three years later, Norman. Uh, there's news now that Norman died in 1995. Mm-hmm. Norman died of a heart attack, but only because he was found in this uh, in one of his old mansions in a weird lab next to some serums that his body probably couldn't take anymore. So she's kind of like, fuck, like she's, she's, she, she feels really bad. Cause like, it, it seems like all the work that she's putting in, it just isn't working. Like she's want, she wants to reform or wants to help reform all these people that Spider-Man has affected really. And now she's like, she's looking at JJ and being like, uh, oh, fuck is this going to be a case. But JJ says like, dude, like we're, we're fucking old. Like the, the past is all we have as he's collecting like his memoirs, like his papers. So she's kind of seeing like, uh, he's still just like fucking obsessed. Cut to now 2001 and he's finally released and he was given a letter by Norman number 16, uh, Brentway. And it's this, uh, this garage and it's this giant mech suit. So I'm like, ah, fuck, here we go. Did Norman, is, is Norman going to set him up to go fight Spider-Man so he can just die? And JJ really did kind of learn his lesson, did kind of almost turn a new leaf on life in his time in Behind Bars. Puts on the suit. He puts on the suit. Only he caught wind that Matt Gargan was still very much, much obsessed. And he goes after Matt Gargan instead. And he goes right. He goes to right his first wrong. And there's like this, this epic battle between like this, these old men in these suits, just like duking it out. And in the end, there's like a, a fucking cool ass moment where Scorpion's gonna come in with a tail, but he catches it and stabs him in the stomach instead. Um, so he wins, yay! Like Matt is finally d- uh, done with, and JJ starts clutching his left arm, 
and just has a heart attack of his own. On top of the Daily Bugle is where they ended up, and he just dies there. Um, so yeah, so they cut to um, the funeral, like they're they're lowering the casket, and you see like Spider Man in the hand glasses, like in the like in the background, like watching. And the therapist, Miss Carol, shows up uh, behind him and be like, "Yo, like the um, he's like they're gonna, he's, she wants to have a moment with him, and he's like, "Oh shit, I'm sorry. Oh my god, Gwen, it's actually Helen now." And this uh, the therapist isn't the real Gwen; she really did die, but this is the clone from the Clone Saga. Oh. This whole time she really did. She she tells like no. This whole time, I'm trying to help people that have been affected by you. Since like like they're never they're not gonna get back. They're not gonna get together. Like she was she was with Ben, but then I guess like they didn't really work out with him. And now she's like trying to like write. She's trying to like fix like some people that have been affected through all this clusterfuck of the Spider Universe. So it was like it was a really nice moment in the end. And um and so and she's also there to show him like well I think toward the because of the she he asked her. And did it, like, did it help? Like, Jonah was so angry, I, I can't begin to imagine crawling out of that hole. Well, I think towards the end, it did. Hot off the press, his memoir finally came out. Just look at that. Webs. <laughs> and it's almost like he was a Spider-Man all along, Untangling a Life, a memoir by J. Jonah Jameson. It's like, oh, I would love just to read that story now. Like, what do you, like, what <laughs> like, inner shit that he went through, like, and, like that he just like, kind of came out at, at the other end. And now to kind of get like this whole like almost like i'm sorry no it was actually i i enjoyed this a lot more because jj is just it's fucking jj love him or hate him he's just gonna be that guy but fucking hey this this issue really kind of won me over with that with him he was he sometimes he's okay in my book especially like in spider-man rain i fucking love him in, like, in that book too but in this one just like be, having him seems seeing him so obsessed throughout the years and almost like in real time and how much like that would just weigh on him he lost his family. Like I, I think at one point it comes back to not really seeing John or, or, or him finally getting out so he can finally see his grandson that John had. Um, and he just had to have, just had to do this one last mission. So, ah, fuck chip. God damn it. <laughs> Don't stay in subject too long. <laughs> All right. What about, uh, amazing Spider-Man 72? Oh my God. Amazing Spider-Man 72. Legacy 873. This one by Nick Spencer. <laughs> Artist by Federico Saviantini, uh, Zay Carlos, Marcelo Ferreira, and Carlos Gomez. Colors is only by Alex Sinclair, and lettering by Joe Caramanga. Most of the book is uh, is uh, is having Kindred do like an, an inner monologue, talking through maybe Peter, but basically, obviously, just to us. But this one, I said this word before in this episode, and this issue is also all about revelations. Oh fuck! Okay, where to, where to fucking begin? Um, yeah, the whole Sinister War is, is still happening. We don't get to touch much on like the battle. I think that's really more for the actual Sinister War book. We just see Spider Man mm. getting like flopped around by like a bunch of villains. That's not important here. The important part is we're cutting back to years ago with Norman on like when um, this other character, when Mendel Strom, kind of like got the one over him way way back. Excuse me, way way back in the day. And enter a weird guy in a black suit and a red vest. And so now we cut to now present day Norman uh, going to said old ass mansion, and then a, and, a, and then another cut with Kindred uh, Kindred finally next uh, with Mary Jane and there's a weird moment because like they're at a movie theater and like he's pretty much like playing the Sinister War for her, and um, she's like Harry please like stop this it's not too late and, like except it is MJ the credits are about to roll but before they do uh, 
like a good mystery, there's still a few there's a, still a few twists left to be to reveal themselves. And he looks kind of sad. It's really and that was like the first red flag. That was the first red flag. So then we cut to Norman and Carly uh, escaping their dungeon, and there's a crack on a wall. So Norm, like, uh, sorry, um, Harry, like, kind of was like rummaged through it to make a hole in the wall. And we're at the morgue. We're at Carly's morgue, and all the bodies are gone except for one. And Harry's about to unveil it. Maybe it's uh, the Harry corpse, but we we don't get to see his reaction because, of course, we cut to <laughs> back to Norman. Um, at that old mansion, um, that abandoned mansion, and he's now starting to see fucking uh, the Green Goblin, like almost like as a reflection off of certain things. And he's like, "No, I've always been here." And then a, a wall opens up, and of course, we're in this fucking old green ass lab, and he's just like, "No, like this isn't my lab. At least, at least I don't think it is." And like these tubes, like I know what they are, but they're not mine. And then the screen pops up. Oh, but they are Norman, just not in the flesh. And it's this fritzy or fitzy like screen of Norman that's going like in and out, and like it's almost like an like an old AI that's like talking to him. It's like, nope, it's all it's all fucking happening, dude. Um, all your monsters are real. It's all your fault. Your greed, your anger. This is what brought you here. And it's just, and it's almost like that same face is just getting more distorted, being turning into like the goblin. Uh, maybe the 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 green screen doesn't really help. But here's where we get some revelations, maybe some retcons. Norman, also way back long uh, years ago, might have also done a deal with Mephisto, so of that course. his company, so that, so that Oscorp can actually grow, so that he could have, so that he could um, get the company from under under Mendelstrom, so that basically, it's just like like in the scene with Mephisto, he's like, bro, you're fucking ruined, right? And Norman's like, you think I don't fucking know that I'm ruined? I don't have anything left. Like, oh come on now, we both know that's not true. And Norm is just like crying, like, what will happen? Oh, nothing at first. Your life will go on. You won't remember we had this little talk. And then he starts explaining, but certain changes start to happen. And you'll get everything you ever wanted. And you get to see, like, the life of, like, him getting the company, him doing the, concocting the goblin serum. Um, Yeah, my legacy. And then he says, um, you're going to be my finest steel in a millennium, Norman. My legacy will be made flesh. All will cost you is your firstborn son. And we get to see the history of Harry with his friends, mm-hmm. dropping Gwen Stacy, going through everything, getting the goblin suit, being dead in front of uh, Spider-Man, and getting the serum. So it's kind of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and we cut to back, we cut back to the lab. And the, the screen is still talking. I was like, you got to hand it to him. He honored his side of the deal, didn't he? And dad. And now the screen is starting to fit out a little bit more. And the screen... Or it starts, like, I need to say this part too. Been waiting so many years for this. Almost didn't make it, but I'm nothing if not a survivor. I had I had to upload both our minds to make it through to make it through the years. Just to look just to look at the eyes, uh, just look up in your eyes and say, and there's a little asterisk, this upload thing happened back in Spider-Man Legacy of Evil. Son of a bitch, Nick, Nick Spencer had one last oh, wow. '90s callback to kind of piece this all together. I love the book, actually. <laughs> and the screen turns into fucking Harry, and just to say "gotcha," and it goes. It kind of cuts to everybody saying "gotcha, gotcha," everybody, and we cut to back to um, MJ and Kindred, 
and he has one his one his last line basically saying, "I'm not who you think I am, at least not entirely. We are we are who we are, but we are not always who we say we are. It's time we learn the truth, no matter the cost." And he starts to unhood himself, and we don't get to see who it is. Of course, who the fuck is it? Because even in the beginning. Like like the whole recap uh, stuff like it's a little, like it's part of like about Norman Osborn lost his powers, uh, Sin Eater took away his evil, whatever, and then goes that new life ha- was tainted when he figured out uh, that the mysterious villain Kindred was actually his son Harry. Kindred meanwhile has gathered six sinister sixes to destroy Spider Man and has also kidnapped Mary Jane Watson. But if Kindred is Harry Osborn, who is Carly Cooper? Uh, who uh, then who did Carly Cooper find in the morgue dead? How is Kindred lording over the Sixes and kidnapping Mary Jane while at the same time, Carly is with him very much alive trying to escape from Kindred's mausoleum? Like, I think it's going to be a whole big switch. I don't think it's finally, I don't think it's finally going to be a Harry scenario. Why? One last callback, and it's the legacy of evil when it just had to do with Normie. Normie's, I don't think Kindred's Normie. I don't either. I don't want to say it's Liz. Cause she's, I think it's Liz. she's always around. Like she was menace for a while. Uh, during a uh, dark rain, like she was a goblin herself when she was pregnant. The, the only people referring back to Legacy of Evil would be her, yeah, or Benjamin Yurick, maybe. And, like, right, right. I was thinking, but it's like it's not going to be Ben Yurick. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, it could be. I mean, it could be fucking. Well, he's currently investigating the X Men. They wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, that's that true. Sense. That's true. Um, so yeah, I, I, we finally get a, a lead, like an actual, maybe strong lead on like this person that we haven't really been seeing. This whole time, I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's been around Expenses Run, but she's never been like, "Hey, like I've been here, so you don't think that I'm suspicious or I'm, I'm like a, sus- a suspect." Um, so fuck, what if it is her this whole time? It's like it's just like there's so many Harrys in play, literally in play right now. So then, then for him to finally be the big bad again, I, I don't know. It's just uh, it was just like again like a, a great book of, of revelations. So yeah, that was Amazing Spider Man, and it's just Expenses Run is almost coming to an end, and I just almost don't I don't want it to. <laughs> nice alright I'm gonna run through my solos because cool. man, I got a couple Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Darth Vader number 15 once again I'm getting the wanted poster variant so I got this one with Kira oh those are cool yeah yeah I'm really digging these I really like them written by Greg Pak art by Rafael Iannoco Iannoco there we go color by Jason Keith and letter by Joe Caramagna. Uh so this one focuses on I thought it would focus on his fight with uh, Kira but it doesn't so much doesn't really mention it um it is about him and ochi um who is now vader's servant ochi of bastoon and basically vader tests him and has him go go up a bunch against the crimson dawn i'm gonna go through it real quick basically he kills them all and it's vader testing whether or not he's actually a traitor Hmm. um so it looks like vader still trusts him and we get this cool shot of them just tearing people up together so nice Star Wars Dr. Afra number 13. Once again, wanted poster variant. <laughs> so, um, this is written by Alyssa Wong, pencil by Minkyu Jung, inked by Victor Olazaba, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Jokar Magna. So, this one takes place during the auction. And since Dr. Afra is there, one of the things with Dr. Afra is she fucked up darth vader recently oh yeah and he has sworn vengeance on her no matter <laughs> what so he shows up to the auction she's like we got to get the fuck out of here basically <laughs> so so that's basically what they do they get away um they're still at the party they're just away from him and uh but they're still doing their mission which is to steal this information from this broker 
who they find out actually is a double agent for the Crimson Dawn. So it's all tying back to the Crimson Dawn. Mm. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, they also get caught at the end and captured and put in a, a cell of some kind. So don't know what's going on there. We also got a little bit of a, a follow-up with Just Lucky, who I love. He's great. And what's going on with them, but I won't get too much into that because it was just a little bit of a side story there. So, But really enjoying Dr. Aphra. It's easily my favorite Star Wars book. But I'm really enjoying the crossover as a whole. So I love that that's usually the like the general consensus. Like everybody fucking loves Doctor Aphra. Yeah, it's great. Melissa Wong does a great job. Mm-hmm. The art's always nice. Like, it's cool. really good. Speaking of consensus, great books. <laughs> Black Widow number ten. Ooh. Check out this cover. Yeah, like just fucking great. I love this variant. Um, written by Kelly Thompson, pencil by Elena Casagrande and Rafael De La Torre. Inked by Elisabetta D'Amico and Rafael Delator, Colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Corey Petit. Uh, this is a Mark Brooks cover, by the way. Yeah. So this is the end of this arc. It's a four-issue arc where they've been fighting these, these powered individuals that they have powers, but they're burning out their bodies. As they use the powers, they basically explode. And one of the people they saved is a young girl who has no has electric powers because of this. And they keep telling her not to use her powers because she's going to explode, but she wants to help them. Um, both Yelena and um, and uh, well, both Black Widows basically, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Arania both oh, yeah. go both go in to fight, leaving the scientist nerd dude and the lightning chick together. He's trying to find a cure for this. She makes herself a dope ass costume, nice, which I think looks pretty cool. Yeah, so. yeah. and basically they got the cure, so they're going to go meet them. They're fighting a bunch of bad guys. And again, one of the highlights of this book is how amazing the action is written. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't want to go blow by blow, but it's just really cool. Awesome action. At one point, it looks like they're they're going to be overwhelmed when all of a sudden the bad guys start getting hit with something. And they say, glad you can make it, Hawkeye. Boom, K Bishop shows up Ooh, to help. Nice. Yeah. And then the, the lightning chick and the scientist show up. And the lightning chick uses her powers, punches a dude. And they're like, stop using your powers. You're going to explode. We've talked about this. They set off a bomb that cures all the disease or all the, the things. Also, this page, this double page spread. Oh, one of those you get to follow. Every single one of these is a little action bit. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. that little, all the little cells and stuff. Um, but long story short, they're able to cure the bad guy of his power. He falls into a water thing. But the lightning chick uses her powers again. And she starts overheating. Oh, no. And she's like, it burns, it burns. They're able to inject her with the cure. And it stops. She's not going to explode, but her powers won't shut off. Oh, shit. So now her arms are basically made of lightning and she can't touch anybody. Oh. And in the end, they agree to go out and get some food. And we get a shot of them as a little team. And I really hope this team continues because I actually really like this lineup. That's cool ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. I really dig it. Uh, Yelena continues to be amazing. So, also this next cover. Oh my god, I'm all about it. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. Uh, leading directly into that is Winter Guard number one, mm. written by Ryan Cady, um, with art by Jibril uh, Morissette Fan, John Bazadula, uh, colors by Federico Blee, lettering by Ariana Mayer. Um. So, for those who don't know, the Winter Guard is basically the Russian Avengers. And coming straight into the World War She-Hulk story, they were all just kind of wiped out. 
Mm-hmm. And this is Yelena finding out about it. And then basically the you, Captain Marvel specifically found out she was in Russia shortly before then and met with one of them. So she's like, what are you doing? You're a double agent. And Yelena's like, no, I'm not. So Yelena basically tells the story. And basically it's her and Alexi. Oh, nice. <laughs> and they're teaming up to um, to do a thing. And they're actually opposed by the Winter Guard. And so it's basically a way to show off that they're going to fight the Winter Guard and everything like that. It's just a really cool action scene. I'm not sure what's going on yet, but they hint at there is a traitor within the Winter Guard, and we don't know who it is. So I think this is going to be a nice mini, and I'm pretty excited about it Mm -hmm. because there's some fun characters in here. Also, Ursa Major, who is the one that transforms into a bear, yeah, and Darkstar are both mutants. And they actually address uh, uh, Ursa. He He basically says he's not equipped to go just frolic on an island like the other mutants basically mm-hmm. he makes a point around it so so it's kind of interesting uh but yeah pretty good we know he dies in world War she hulk though that already oh. happened so this is the flashback so i'm like oh poor guy maybe they'll resurrect him but there's a so. there's a whole forest for him to run around in i know right i want to see dark star go because she's great she was actually an x-men shortly well oh. she was an x-core but that's the same thing for me um all right i think that is my solos nice we share the rest of these Yes. Are you ready for the United States of Captain America number three? Oh my God! Yes. Oh fuck yes. Written by Christopher Cantwell and Darcy Little Badger. Uh, art by Dan Del Eaglesham and David Cutler and Roberto Poggi. Color by Matt Mia and letter by Joe Mar- Carmagna. So once again, we're on the road trip with Sam and Steve, and they're in New Mexico trying to catch. The fake Captain America, which we know is Speed Demon. Mm-hmm. I love that the last book was like Sin being like, they can't figure out that you're Speed Demon and they can't figure out that I'm Sin. And then on page two, they're like, Speed Demon? <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was like, that was pretty funny to me. And they go kind of through a couple things he did to mess up between this story and everything. So, and that's when they introduce us to our newest one, our newest Captain America, who is, um, who is in Kansas. And on, uh, I don't want to screw it up, what what tribe was uh, Kickapoo? Kickapoo Reservation, mm-hmm. Joe Gomez in Kansas. And he's this, this really hench uh, native dude, looks awesome. Oh, hell yeah. And he reveals that he basically looks up to Captain America really strongly. I love this because... When you when you have a native character, and, I, and I'll use this, I'll use an example of Super Chief. Or a man of bats over in DC that I hate. Okay, and I was worried about this one. Of all the bo- issues of this, I was worried about this one because mm-hmm. I was like, the country of the United States of America has done a lot to the indigenous people of this country. Yeah, to have him look up to Captain America is a risk. Yeah, but they do such a good job of explaining why, mm-hmm. and the fact that he starts off not doing so. And not believing in America's superheroes and, and telling himself they're not here for us. Yeah. Oh, for and oh, then, yeah. yeah. And then Cap ends up basically proving he's different. Mm-hmm. That's why he looks up to him, which I thought was really cool. It's not just a blindly patriotic indigenous character. So I really, really dug that. And honestly, when I first saw the costume, I was like, eh. But now I look at it, I'm like, actually, this is pretty appropriate. Oh, I like, fucking love the costume from the get-go. I was like, yes. It just it just looks so appropriate on how he would just, like, build it up himself. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, basically, they run into 
run into Joe and uh, they team up with him against uh, Speed Demon and Sin. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to mention I love Sin. She's one of my favorite Marvel villains. So glad she's back. So great. Um, the 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 run of uh, Captain America with Bucky as Captain America and her as basically his Red Skull. Oh, yeah. that was my good. That was some good shit. So, uh, but Joe gets injured. Long story short, they have to fight them. It, it's a typical heroic kind of story. Um, where they're trying to attack somebody who's running for governor who's also indigenous. Um, and yeah, the, in, it ends up that uh, Joe saves the day. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. And uh, then, we, of course, we get the requisite backstory where we they actually explain how Captain America actually saved his life once. Mm-hmm. But not just saved his life. Joe actually saved the day. And then Captain America saved him from, you know, dying at the end. Yeah. But he did the work, which I thought was pretty cool, so... And with the fucking wrecking crew, like I, I always forget <laughs> about them. <laughs> There's such a good throwaway villain. Yeah, like if you just need an actual threat that you can beat, and no one will care. You know what I mean? Like Rhino. It's just, like it's the same thing. Yeah, but like the, the Rhino will always win me over because like he's had his cool like at the very least like two part like book that I just like I'll, I'll always be fond over. The wrecking crew just needs like maybe like an updated story so that they don't keep recycling. Like, hey, we beat Thor once. That was forever ago. Like, nobody really yeah. gives a shit about that anymore. <laughs> I'm almost certain the Power Pack beat them in the 80s. Oh my I'm God. not quite certain, but it sounds right. That's rich. So, yeah, it's just, uh, ugh. I like going back. I When we got um, uh, Joe Gomez's uh, info page, when I was like, my eyes just like open. It's like, he's 43. I had to like go back and like look <laughs> at him all over again because I was kind of putting him like late 20s, maybe 30s. I was like, oh shit, 43? This man rules. <laughs> Yeah, he's in a fantastic shape. So, yeah. Um, it, next up, let's. Oh, good. Oh, sorry. Just last thing, like it broke my heart on like how on how real I got. And, like that's what I like about this book uh, a lot too, and how we're talking about like it was gonna be very touchy how they're gonna approach Joe Gomez as a character. But then, like we then, but then this book has just been really real on like the runaway gay Captain America, which is like a really cool mm-hmm. and like. People didn't. Th- people. Uh, people were thinking like, "Oh, he's just going to be like the next cap that I was going to run with." Like, no, that wasn't it at all. People were just couldn't wait yeah. until it got it got out. And the now point we have- is that anyone can be Captain America. Yes. Um, but so I love I love how real this book can can touch on a lot of subjects, and so so much so that I fucking hated the part where like the candidate had to like step down because of, like, like the world's not ready for a Cheyenne candidate, even if it's just yeah. for, for like a state representative or a good, good for a governor. It's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like at the, in the heart of fucking America, like how could it not be? And like, and then it's just so sad. Cause like, yeah, the somebody people. who's lived very close to there. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> a, right. So, so yeah, it, it just, it broke my heart where it's just like, God, they even like, they even treat this part real. And then how, yeah, he would until it's just like, maybe, maybe down the line, you know? He made the point of also protecting his family. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then so, he would just be a target. I was like, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. U- right. U.S. of Cap, I was just like, had just been like such a. It was an underdog, underdog book. Oh, and we should mention. I forgot to mention. Bucky joins the group at the end of the issue. Yes. So we finally get Bucky in, which has um, probably my arguably one of my like my favorite Cap suit. I love his shininess. Yeah, and then we know U.S. agents appearing at some point. Yes. So hopefully next issue. So, which I think is funny because U.S. Agent is kind of a racist, and I wonder how he's going to play into the story. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of his thing. Is he's always been kind of racist. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. So, um, all right. So let's move on to Amazing Fantasy number two. Ooh, okay. I got the Peach Momoko cover. Well, let me see it. I didn't see it. It's my favorite Peach Momoko sketch cover so far. Oh wow, that is really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so different. Beautiful. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so. 
This book is a trip. <laughs> yeah, it is very different. <laughs> Written and drawn by Cara Andrews. Letter by Joe Sabino. So we have these heroes taken at different parts of their lives and transported to this world that it's kind of like a fantasy world, kind of like almost like um, a lost world type thing. Mm -hmm. Uncle Ben's there as an old man, (laughs) and he refers to it as kind of like limbo. I don't know if that's Fisher or that's just how he feels, you know? Yeah. But yeah, we get a bunch of different characters in different situations. We got, you know, Captain America with a tribe of women saving them from basically caster from the freaking game of thrones yeah season I one literally thought about that too <laughs> yeah we got black widow who's taken in as a bride did she age up like six years between books because i remember her being like a little kid yeah when she ran away but now she's kind of drawn as an adult so i wasn't sure if like time passed if that's made clear and then we have a teenage peter parker talking with uncle ben who feels like he failed him basically never taught him how to be a man so but it's all done in a very fantasy style there's orcs and shit there's fairies or you know all this stuff i thought this was really cool um it's very interesting i think it's going to be so much better when i'm able to look at all of it at once Uh, yeah i think so too but at the same time it just it seems like such a like not marvel book yeah, like I mean, like yeah, the the whole thing with like the the tribe of women and like how they're running it, basically exactly like like the scene in in uh, episode in Game of Thrones, but just like I don't know, like like the tone of it, where like when when Cap leaves and he's like the boy America comes with me, and if it's dangerous, then he will become strong. And like it almost seems mm-hmm. like not the most Steve Rogers line, but yeah, it's just, it's such a different. But book. it was Steve Rogers plucked from the forties. Oh yeah, that's so true. That is so true. So he's probably fighting alongside a bunch of boys not much older than that guy who lied about their age to join the military. So. That, you know what? You're so fucking right. Yeah. And then and then like the whole so, like side story with like Black Widow and then like there might be like a, the, the the love triangle scenario where it's just like not that I ship mm-hmm. it with like her and the centaur guy, but it was like the that little moment just felt like it doesn't really feel like uh, like your typical Marvel book. Yeah. And then they got a crazy tease on the last page. Yes. With whatever this is. Oh my god, Chibi Storm is like my new fucking favorite thing. <laughs> the, with the with the side hair and everything, like I love it. It's Mohawk Chibi Storm, and I fucking love it. <laughs> it's so good. I can't wait to see what's happening here. So, um, Maybe we're going to get more and more introduced. I don't know, so we'll see. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Alright, next up, let's... Kick it over to the Spider-Verse a little bit. Okay. Talk about non-stop Spider-Man number four. Written by Joe Kelly. Penciled by Chris Boccolo. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I got that right. Bacello? Oh, oh, there we go. Uh, the way this is laid out, it looks very strange. Inked by Tim Townsend, Wayne Foucher, Alve, Livesay, and Jamie Mend- Mendoza. Oh, it's two yeah. lines, so there was nothing after Tim Townsend. I was confused. Um Color by Marcio, Marcio Meniz with Eric Garcianega and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, th- we haven't actually had a non-stop in like a month and a half. It had been a while. So basically we take up where we left off with the two luchadors have... Had, okay, this is going to sound insane if you've never read this book, by the way. <laughs> but the two luchadors' brains ex- expanded and fused into one. And Spider-Man is fighting uh, Zemo, who is awfully... Uh, quippy, unlike his normal self. Yeah. Um, they have this awesome midair fight with a plane, and and just it's just so much going on in this book, and it's a lot of fun. And we've talked about in the past that just having uh, Chris, 
Chris Bacalo back on this book mm-hmm. doing Spider-Man is just great because he's just one of the best. And I love the I love that it's, it's very kinetic. Yes. And I think it's really cool that I don't know if you noticed this aesthetic, by the way, but every time it's just the bad guys, <laughs> the panels are straight. Oh, you, every oh. time Spidey shows up, it goes diagonal. Oh shit, you're so right. That's, oh, that's a great call out. Yeah, it's a visual cue. Even in this page, where the top half is Spidey but the bottom half isn't, they make the transition mid-page. Oh, that is so fucking dope. Yeah, we're like right here. It's pretty much all the bad guys, but as soon as Spidey like does a thing, even in the very last panel, like, yeah. Oh my god, you're so. You no, know, I mean like, or even the, like like this. One, I'm just noticing because like I I love this joke in this book, but it's all Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But then you get the whole like the water bit, and his panel is just perfect. Yep. Like that. I, I just I just have to call out that joke. It's like. This isn't tap, is it? I only eye flush with the very best. It's water for the mo- it's water from the motherland, Baron. God, you're a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really cool that that I like that little stylistic thing they're doing. I, yeah, um, I hadn't noticed. It reminds me of, of course, you've seen the movie Seven. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things David Fincher does in his movies is he never uses a handheld camera with shake. He doesn't like to use it at all. Okay. He never ever uses it. But he does in seven. Mm-hmm. And the reason is in the last scene of seven, when John Doe, when they have John Doe, the what's in the box scene, yeah. if the camera's ever on John Doe, it's rock solid, doesn't move. Oh, yeah. But if it's on the detectives, it's constantly moving because they're agitated and mm-hmm. they don't have control of the situation. It's kind of like this, yeah. except it's a good thing because Spider Man's so kinetic and always moving and it's nonstop Spider Man. <laughs> so giving us the diagonal visual makes it feel like it's moving no matter what. But then the bad guys, the slow, calculated, you know, I love that visual thing. It's so, it's such a great little trick. Actually, it just re- makes that so much better. It actually elevated the book so much more for me because <laughs> it was such yeah. a great detail to like, how could I miss it? Um, I fucking love the beginning though, when he's literally warning. It's like, hey, Doc Strange, like, I kind of left some like weird shit over there. You, you might be, gonna be weird. You <laughs> might be picking it up for me. It's going to be weird. <laughs> Doc, did I use stat wrong? By the hoary host. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just really teleporty thing? <laughs> yeah, it's like what good. can really weird out Doctor Strange, and it's like, yep, he can still be weirded out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, a number one that I was hotly anticipating, Ooh. and I'm very excited to talk about um, because I was a big New Warriors fan, and that is Dark Hawk number one. Okay. I got this cover. Yeah. And I got this cover. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had to. I just had to get <laughs> the multiple covers. So uh, so we're going to run through the creative team. Now, I'm excited for a Dark Hawk book in general. But written by Kyle Higgins. <laughs> right there doing Dark Hawk. Mwah, perfect. Uh, arts by Juan and Ramirez. Colored by Eric Arcianega. And letter by Travis Lanham. So as we saw the original Dark Hawk, which was Chris Powell, I believe, um, he passed away. We saw the story for that in the last Dark Hawk one shot, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Dark Hawk crystal flew off to find a new host, and it does. And obviously, we don't need to get into too much detail about who the kid is and his story, but I will say, I love this. Reminds me almost of Static, you yeah. know, like it's like this. It's this 
it's set in a, in a big city. It's just a kid from the the neighborhood. It looks like a lot of the supporting characters are going to be his friends and family, and it's got a really cool tragic story to it with a good hook. There hasn't been one like it in a while. Like like the the sports prodigy that like some tragic some tragic shit happens, but then in this case, it's, yeah. it's not just like the accident. It's just something a little bit more deeper than that. And it's like fuck. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't had like a, an origin like this in a while. Yeah, and I was thrown off because I was like, oh, the crystal's inside of him and he's having seizures because his body's, no, nope, uh-huh. that's not it at all. It's much more mundane mm-hmm. and much worse, actually. Yeah. You know, like, I was like, oh. And just, it was really cool. And it's about, you know, what do you do when the thing you thought you're going to do the rest of your life, you're not going to now. Yeah. And what what's the purpose? What's your identity in all this? And I will say this, the last page they did such a good job of telegraphing. Okay. I'll put it this way. When they're leaving the game and they run into those three dudes, mm-hmm. I was being like, Oh, those are the bad guys. Yeah. Really? Those are the bad guys. And they did such a good job of telling me those are the bad guys that when they were, and then there was a second swerve, mm-hmm. didn't see it coming at all. <laughs> Caught me completely off guard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I will, I, the other thing I'll say about it is, it's very clear this is written by the same person as, as Radio Black. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, they're, they're, they're similar and told in a great young man story way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he does a really good job of that. And just like, oh, I love this book. I'm, I'm really excited to continue reading it. What do you think? No, he, he, he does have a good hold on, like, that formula. I was totally reading reading Radiant Black as I, was, as I was reading this. Not necessarily saying, oh, he's just, like, repeating the same thing. But it's like, I like mm-hmm. that he can still flesh it out into, like, like these two different things. Cause, like, yeah, they're, they're both very different individuals especially with their struggles mm-hmm. um so yeah like i said like i just i really like that um i got this like kind of almost like old school origin tale on like like the struggles of like the dude before he kind of becomes like the hero um it's always been super like just intricate or super complicated like in like the last few uh new characters and like in their origins and how they be- they come up so it's kind of cool seeing like the the sport the sports prodigy character again yeah and I love the new uh, armor design. Oh, yeah, it is very cool. It's amazing. I love it so much. So, especially the wings. Mm-hmm. The way he's using them is almost like talons. Like, it's just so cool looking. So, yeah. All right, let's move on to Marvel Voices Identity number one. Oh, yeah. So, this is an anthology, and it's uh, basically stories from people of uh, Asian, uh, Asian and Pacific Islander uh, descent. And there's a lot of them, as there usually is. So I'll get? run through all the creators. Oh, I got um, I got two. I got that one, of course. Uh-huh. And then I got, of course, Inyaki. Oh, bro, come on! <laughs> it's so beautiful. That like, arm, oh my face. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, um, so I'll run through the creative teams real quick. Uh, first story: Jean Louis Yang and Marcus Toe oh. with Sunny Go. Uh, it's hard to beat that right off the bat. Oh, the bat too, right? like, start off that hot, you know. Uh, Christina Strain and Jason Liu, Greg Pak and Chris Lee with Brian Reber, uh, Sabir Prasada and Mashal Ahmad with Naraj Manon, Alyssa Wong and Wills Patracio. I love that they brought Wills Patracio back because I love Wills Patracio uh, with J. David Ramos, uh, Jeremy Holt with Alti Fermancia and Irma Nivila. Uh, Ken Nomura, Maureen Gu, Lin Yoshi, and Sebastian Chang. So there's so much going on. Just know that all those people were involved. Joe Sabino did the lettering. So um, 
The first story, the one by Jin Lu and Yang and Marcus To, is a really cool little side Shang, Shang, uh, Shang-Chi story. Um, kind of, it, it, it's a good companion to the current series we're reading yeah. right now. Because it's all about him, you know, trying to redeem the the Five Weapons Society and everything. And I love it because basically, like, he's fighting his what-if version. What if he's trained with his father? And it, yes, he's a better fighter in the way of the hand in that world. But he's, he's talking about how much he learned from his friends. So he's, like, doing a Spider-Man kick and, yeah. you know, doing all these things. And he's like, and even my own siblings. And it's him throwing things like Sister Dagger. Yes. And I love that. <laughs> so well, I, I like that Black Panther got the teammates call out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so cool. Next story, we get a really cool story with Jubilee, which is funny because, check this out. I forget that Jubilee is Asian, and that sounds horrible. (laughs) No, because I never think about Jubilee anymore. Oh, okay. I haven't thought about her in a long time, except for Excalibur, you know what I mean? And even in Excalibur, she's usually like the fifth most prominent character. She's never like in my face. Mm -hmm. So when when I was thinking about potential characters for the she didn't pop into my head okay so for her to pop up i'm like oh yeah and i was really excited <laughs> i used to, i used to love jubilee uh arguably the most popular x-men that's actually not appeared in a movie yet i would say uh well i mean they, they never confirmed her boy she i wasn't like the yellow i mean i mean no i mean made a major appearance right right, right right because everybody appeared in like a little cameo right and right anole apparently is in issue th- or in, in x3 so <laughs> but i'm gonna say like not actually been a kid oh, so was bob herman or blob herman bob herman yeah yeah so yeah uh, also, is she with Chamber now? Is uh, this th- a- that's what I got too. I mean, showing up with a baby and like this very tender moment, very like sensitive. Uh, like, yeah, because that's her baby from Excalibur. Oh yeah, but it says we're just glad you're both here. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like oh, and Chamber walking all barefoot like a John Lennon motherfucker. <laughs> um, maybe a cool Jimmy Woo backup story. Love Jimmy Woo. Yes, it's very Agents of Atlas. If you've ever loved Agents of Atlas, it's basically what it's like. Then we get a really cool story with uh, Kamala Khan in Karachi, Pakistan. Oh man, which is really cool. I really dug that this and about like this one's kind of heavy. The kebabs. Too. It made me want to have kebabs though. I'll be flat around. This. I was like, ooh, kebabs. But like her, like their moment where she's like, it wasn't like it wasn't one of the most happy ones too. Yeah, where he said the whole like you're self hating Pakistani. Yeah, and I'm like, that's not fair, man. I know, right? Like she's she wasn't raised there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a different culture, and you know, and I thought that was kind of messed up. So yeah. And then I was curious about your opinion on this next one. Oh, okay. Because we got Wave from Agents of Atlas, and I love Agents of Atlas. It's a really cool group, and she teams up with Bishop, who I know you hate. Um, <laughs> I do. And they actually, I love the story of Bishop being like, "Holy shit, you're Wave from the Agents of Atlas." She's like, "Huh?" And he's like, you're a legend in my time. And I thought that was really cool because Bishop never does stuff like that. That I did. I, I did. Like, I, I like when it's almost like polar time ends meet. And so I, I like that, like that, that time reversal where like, yeah, in his time, she would be a, he- a full fledged hero in his comeuppance. And I like that he gets a little like uh, a little nerd, nerd out moment. Yeah. And to be frank, I saw this panel right here. Uh huh. I'm kind of shipping it <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. So that was cute. Um, then we get the silhouette story. I love silhouette, so I'm so happy this existed. Oh. Um, she was a member of the New Warriors, mm-hmm. and uh, she 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 uh, uses canes to walk around. Yeah, that's all. She's always been like that, but she's still a superhero, which I thought was really cool. 
and I love how this story took a turn on me because it was originally like, uh, the dregs of dating in New York. And, yeah. you know, it's just the three guys and the last guy's just on his phone. And it's like, oh, what a jerk, you know? But then it flips around and tells you why he's on his phone. Yeah. And it was actually really sweet and cute. And I really dug that, actually. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I just love the art of this one particularly. I love the way she's drawn. It's just done really well. It was very sweet. It's almost like money shot, like the art, like her face and stuff. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I really dug, so. And then we get the um, the Armor Silver Samurai story, oh which God. is hilarious. So fucking adorable. <laughs> yes. I love that one. Um, Especially, like, the uh, baby Silver Samurai, like, when he's, like, <laughs> reflecting back and he's, just, like, in the armor as a baby with his mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that he's a baby in armor. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get an awesome one with... Um, Silk and uh, Amadeus Cho, Braun. Oh, yeah. And where they fight Scarecrow. Now, you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, might have seen I posted I part of this because it made me laugh so hard. Where Scarecrow is like, do you know what it feels like to never get attention, to feel invisible? And they look at each other like, do we know what it feels like? Sir, we are Asian American. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery of it, sir, we are Asian American. <laughs> I just started laughing in my head so hard. Um, and then they actually ra- ra- rage out on him, which is great. And I love Cho being like, we're Korean, we're born angry. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. So, I loved this. This is so much fun. I love getting these little collections. Oh, bro. And did you see the the next one? You're telling me, bro. This next one's going to be the best one. Yeah. Marvel so, Voices, uh, Comunidades. I cannot fucking wait for this one. And just look at the group. Yes. Miles, uh, the Robbie. current Ghost Rider, Reptile. Yeah, Robbie Ray is. Uh, like- America, Sunspot. White Tiger. Yeah, dude. And so much so, so because cool. this has actually been my favorite Marvel Voices so far. I like that it's not so gigantic. Yeah. Some of them, like, between DC and Marvel, some of them have been, like, a book, and I'm like, I don't need mm-hmm. that. You know oh, what sorry, I mean? We had, like, the Native Voices one. That one was pretty fun. Um, I like the Native one quite a bit. Um, this one just, like, kind of really won me over on how just, like, just, like, sing on, like, on this side. But, man, this next one now just being a little bit, a little closer to home for me. Uh, I, yeah. got, I, I can't fucking wait. Especially with, like, the teams that they'll probably get only because like they kind of stick to just like those writers for those books. So I cannot wait to see all the, like the Latinx like community just like coming together for the next one. And the covers by Casada. Oh no shit. So yeah, cool. which is really cool. Fucking cool. I'm going to have to get the A just because Joe Oh, absolutely. Did, so. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we got four books left. Strange Academy. Number 12. I got this Arthur Adams cover. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Strange Academy, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Humberto Ramos, colored by Edgar Delgado, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Another book that felt like a while, right? For like three months. Yeah, <laughs> like, it disappeared forever. And right in the middle of a climactic moment oh, where Calvin's, <laughs> Calvin's jacket turned against them all. We find out that it's like a demon possession thing, and it killed Toth, and they're trying to put Toth back together. And we find out all this stuff about Calvin in his past, and about how he was lonely and sad and everything, and it's just it's just so good. And God, I miss Strange Academy. I missed it so much too. So much fun. This Gus. Yes. <laughs> it is time to stop hurting our friends. Like so good. And just them all working together to stop the bad guy was really cool. Desi and then showing up. We finally get Desi to get a cool moment because I don't think Desi's really had a badass moment yet. Not like that's one this. of the characters, you know. Yeah, because we one of the things we talked about early on with this book is they did such a good job of throwing a whole cast of characters at us mm-hmm. and then start developing one and then another and right. another. Like my, my and so my favorite ones were okay. like for like with uh Herman, 
obviously Doyle mm-hmm. was like our favorite one, but from like the girls, like I, I was always looking out for Desi, and I was like, when's her fucking moment coming up? Holy shit, yeah. did she just demon up? Yeah, and now I'm looking at the group. I'm like, I think that's everybody. I mean, I don't think Alvi's really gotten a moment of his own. But, right. I like, mean, we went to Asgard, Eric, but we didn't really kind of focus on them too much like this. Like we didn't focus on him. But it was Eric. We did. Yeah. Eric was the one with the Enchantress and stuff. We never see, you know, Man Bun is what I call him. So <laughs> we never see him do anything like. But you don't get to see him to get development on his own. So. It's only, only probably only because uh, whenever he is around a school, he's always tends to be not a voice of reason, but at least not a douche face like his brother. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that they they defeated the monster because they're emo teens, basically. Yes! yes! <laughs> they're all emo teens, and it's so funny. It was so angsty. Like, the angst and emo-ness was what, was what triumphed. And then Desi just gobbling up the demon. That's oh, fucked up. So awesome. <laughs> and the way this had the end on the end, I was incredibly worried this was the end of the series. I, I immediately turned over and said, okay, good, issue 13. I was like, shit. <laughs> like, this scared me so much. because Ramos, or sometimes Scotty Young, but Ramos in particular, just tends to stay in a 12-issue series and jump ship. Like, Champions. Champions yeah. was one that he was around and actually liked him for Champions, and then he fucking left. And I was like, oh, and then I know the whole team left. I think it was Mark Wade and him like stepped away. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I was kind of worried that they were going to be kind of be done with it here as well. Yeah. But man, did I miss that book? It's so good. It's incredible. So <laughs> yeah. Next up, Thor number sixteen. I got this cover, of course. <gasps> Our favorite horse. I Thor. didn't see that. What it's the Peach Mohoko cover? Oh my god. <laughs> horse Thor. I'm the worst nerd boy in the world. It's better Ray Bill, guys. I know. We read we read the whole mini. Trust me, I know yes, better yes, Ray we Bill. Did. <laughs> I've known better Ray Bill since the nineties. No, I'm not going to go on a rant. And pro- uh, pro- written, oh yeah, go finish it. <laughs> written by Tony Cates. Uh, guest artist Michelle Bandini. Guest inkers Michelle Bandini, Elizabeth D'Amico. Uh, coloring by Matt Wilson and lettering by Joe Sabino. And for the last time, probably for the last episode, the word revelations. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, so Thor, we know, gave up the hammer. And I love this bit, basically. It's, it goes over the, the dream he had in the future where um, Thanos where Thanos has Mjolnir with all the Infinity Gems stuck in it, which is just a cool image. And <laughs> it idea. is. Like, and he's talking to Jane about it. She's like, wait, wait, let me, let, me, let me get this straight. You had a dream that Thanos took your hammer and then you just left your hammer somewhere? <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, uh, and then he goes and gets some hot dogs, which I thought was great. Oh, um, and then him and him and Valkyrie team up, and who do they beat up? The Wrecking Crew. Yes. <laughs> Second L for the week for them. Um, and then Thor gets summoned by uh, apparently his mother shows up, and who's there? But his drunken piece of shit father Odin. <sighs> and they're about to have they're they're arguing. A big monster comes in. They stop it. I love the the image of them right here, side by side, holding it back. Oh yeah, I thought that was really cool. It really highlights the similarities between them and stuff. <laughs> Where's your hammer, boy? And the monster's head goes flying off. And then I know Josue had a little like squee come out inside of him when Dude. there's his mother and your sister Angela and I would like to have a word. Finally, fucking finally, yes. so cool. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know because like the, the 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 cool thing here is like, on this last page. Yeah, Angela obviously is like the coolest thing ever, but Freya's outfit. I'm not sure if she went through like a, a whole costume change, but she's rocking like what Thor has been rocking since the start of this run. 
like when he kind of yeah. had like the whole rune like for for like on, on his chest and everything she's kind of rocking a similar vibe here so i'm kind of like, oh man what is really going to happen this next issue like ugh, god damn it what a great ending what a great uh conclusion here for for this uh or the cliffhanger here yeah we still got one more for this this story oh yeah so no for see. sure but it's like like how pissed is Angela? Is Angela pissed? Like, I mean, Thor has been rocking like his own thing. Like, he's also, I mean, like he fought the Black Winter. We should at least like thank him for that too. But like, Angela never comes around for like, hey, let's have, let's have a beer first. Like, she's always pissed off for something. Yeah, yeah, she's very much an angel of vengeance. Oh yes, but, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, now we're gonna move on to our Xbox. It's an incredibly light week for Xbox yeah. comparatively. Uh, let's start with Wolverine, of course, Ooh. number fifteen. Of course, we're starting with Wolverine. The other one's the number one, Jose. I mean, <laughs> so. yeah, but this is more of the actual X book. The other cable isn't yeah, even yeah. part of the roster back here. I, I want to reveal. <laughs> <laughs> um, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Adam Kubert, colored by Frank Martin, and lettered by Corey Petit. Of course, I got the cover A, but I also got the Inhyuk Lee Jubilee oh, cover. Oh, nice. Okay, that was a better yeah. Jubilee cover than the Marvel Voices Jubilee cover. I don't know if you saw that yeah. one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I like this one a lot. So basically, the thing I really, really like about this is they're really just, it, they're dealing with the fact that what happened at the Gala where the, the Marauder was damaged and everything was stolen. Mm-hmm. But this whole story, the whole purpose of this is just to get Solemn back in Wolverine's uh, targets, yes. his crosshairs. And that's all it is. That's all this was, is to get that. And it's setting up for them to have an awesome confrontation. Um, so specific details. There's not a lot to go over, I think. I mean, if there's something specific you want to highlight, by all means. There was uh, specifically the Muramasa blade and stuff like that. Oh That's God. cool. Yeah. But really, I'm just so excited because that was one of the cool things we got at through Ten of Swords was, oh, this guy's going to be in Wolverine's life for a while. Yes. You know, he's going to be the new cyber. You know, yeah. that's what I kind of got. From oh, that, that's so. that's a, that's a uh, good callback. I really like that one. Um, no, honestly, and yeah, like, and because like, why give a shit to give us so much of his backstory of where he came from as a child to where he grew up and how he became a badass? You don't just do that as a, for a throwaway character. I I not I want Solomon to stay around for a while to be a not a rotating yeah. villain like make him be original still, but keep him as one of Wolverine's rogues. Oh, for sure, Wolverine has the like, interior like. The Adam adamantium interior. Solom has the adamantium skin. Bro, give me a fucking clash of the decades for that one. I want Akihiro to be involved in this. Ooh. Because the whole thing with Solom is he's a seducer. Oh, yeah. And Akihiro has that. And, like, he's kind of between the two of them. You know he what really I mean? Is. Like, midway between them. And that's really cool to me. I like that dynamic. So I hope he shows up in this book. Especially with X Factor canceled. He's free now. He's free now, for sure. And so, I don't yeah. remember what other book did it this week. I, I swear, because like, oh shit, it happened, it happened to Wolverine too. But a book did this, where you had to read it like this. Yeah, that I really like that that whole like full page like of Wolverine because like to get Wolverine yeah. this big was really was really cool. When he does a big berserker thing, oh, it yeah. always looks really. Cool, and I just so, can't remember yeah. what other book did it, did that this week too. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look. Yeah, no, for sure. But no, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, this Wolverine book only because like we're, we're it seems like we're going to keep solid for a while. Yeah. All right. That takes us to our last book, Cable Reloaded Number One, <laughs> uh, part of the Last Annihilation, which is Husway's first dip in his toes into the Last Annihilation. Written by Al Ewing. No, Yet Sword. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, written by Al Ewing, drawn by Bob Quinn. 
color by Hava Tartaglia and lettered by Joe Sabino. Oh, it was. So I got this cover, which very much does not feature Rob Layfield's art. Yes. And that was pretty much my only requirement because fuck Rob Layfield. It's, it's in this book, by the way. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that should make sense. So, uh, so this is a reboot with the old, old man cable. Yes. And the first thing I want to do is talk about the art. So, my very first instinct was like, oh, we're going back to the 90s style art. And then I realized, wait, no. It is, but it isn't. Uh-huh. It's like done in a really fun way that I actually really enjoy. Yes. Not in a really ham-fisted, and I don't want to <laughs> drop his name again, Rob Layfield way. Yeah. Where it looks terrible. It also makes fun of the pouches. Yes. Which is very funny. <laughs> so so um, I really enjoyed this, and I like having... As much as I loved Kid Cable and Kid Cable learning to be Cable and everything, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. I love having super capable Cable back too. <laughs> oh yeah, like well, he's good at his job. And oh yeah, the, the moment between him and Brand, or him being like, these are two people of the same of the same side of the coin. So there's kind of there's some tension here on who wants to like run it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like that scene. There's an awesome moment with him and Rocket Raccoon where he reveals that. Rocket was basically a galactic folk hero in his future, and he yes. salutes him and shit. I love that. Sir, um, it'll be an honor. <laughs> I just love the plan, which is Cable will jump out of a spaceship and slam into the ground as hard as he can and get up. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's great. Also, this shit is incredible. Oh my god. The, the hard light arm is just such a cool story. We're, we were talking about shipping earlier. Idea. I ship him and his arm. get it get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah got it (laughs) and i love the team he put together cannonball who is the only person cables ever trusted fully which i absolutely love um boomer of course boom boom slash meltdown Mm -hmm. slash all her code names and i it throws threw me back to the x-force days it really did i liked his little notes Um, about each of the people too yeah whiz kid yes uh cora which was amazing. Cora, we'll get to Cora. Uh, and Leila Cheney, who was also an X-Force. Nice. Um, and basically just a pop star who can teleport. That's all she really does. She has no combat capabilities whatsoever. I love what he says about WizKid. When I was young, I thought he was a rock star. <laughs> to WizKid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically they, they have a cool fight. Very X-Force style fight where they like try to you know try to limit the destruction and the casualties and they fail at both. Yep. Um, which is great. Uh, they're riding these things. Cora turns out to be such a fucking badass. Yes. Like, I I cannot wait to see what they're doing with this character. And then, yeah, there's your, your two page. Yeah, that's, that's the one I meant. <laughs> with a basically a Megazord. <laughs> that's what I was like. Is that a Megazord? So they fight it. Uh, and it's just really cool because Cora has like fire abilities, but it also seems like she can boost powers mm-hmm. like Cortez, but not shitty. Yeah. And so. Um, they do a cool thing with with Cannonball, which I love because Cannonball's basically immortal. Uh, so he does he destroys the thing all by himself. It's just kind of showing how like Cable knows what he's doing. Oh, for sure. They're just reinforcing this Cable is capable of what he's doing. You know? Yeah, I mean? absolutely. So, and this whole mission was to steal a giant planet-sized super gun and take it back to Mars. <laughs> and now they have a super gun. And I thought that was really cool. And then of course, and what do I keep in the pouches? We have ammunition, Bullets. <laughs> which which kind of I'm like, this looks an awful lot like the bullet that Kitty Pride was stuck in, and I feel kind of odd about that. Uh, like it's not necessarily planet sized, but yeah, yeah, but a I'm little like, bit, oh for sure. It's it's a little bit much, guys, but yeah. So we'll see if that how much that plays into 
the downfall of Dormammu. So, oh yeah, uh, I really liked it. That's a good start. I don't know if this is going to be ongoing or if this was just a one shot. I know, right? Like Cable Reloaded as a number one, mostly for a tie-in. I, I was kind of seeing as a, seeing it as a one shot as well. Yeah, we'll see. I think if it was a one shot, they'd call it, you know. Like the last last annihilation cable reloaded because like if you look at it in the back as well for like the 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 schedule it does have cable reloaded oh never mind that is yeah we'll see but Wiccan and Hulkling and Wakanda are both under the nest on that, last that, annihilation I, th- I thought it was backwards cable's not because I'm yeah, going to call it to Wakanda last annihilation Wakanda and his is, his isn't yeah. so hmm. so we'll see uh, but I'm curious about it so yeah. But everybody, that's all our books. This has been the longest episode we've had in a long time. In a while. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, Oh, so anything to add before we go? No, that's it. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can check us out on Geek Elite Media at geekelitemedia.com as well as at Geek Elite Media on Twitter. Also on Twitch. And you can join Josue on Twitch at... Josue plays Josue. Josue plays Josue. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, where he's been playing a lot of things. Metal Gear Solid, Dragon's, Dragon Ball Budokai, lots of stuff. And he, pl- he switches, Twitch streams pretty much every night. You can also follow him on Twitter at Hosway Reads Hosway. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WHI Podcast Keith, Liz, our producer at WHI Podcast Liz, and this show at WHI Podcast. Uh, also, you can check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on uh, Twitter, where we continuously build a playlist uh, using a different randomized category every single other week. Um, our last one that just came out is 90s Hip Hop, featuring the return of a legend. A legend of the court, yes. a, a first ballot Hall of Famer JV picker, as yes. I would say, <laughs> uh, one of our good friends, and I, I could not stop smiling the entire episode. So as dreadful uh, as but, he was, that was my favorite. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he's still T Dog, yeah. Oh, spoiler, it's T Dog. Uh, so <laughs> I was trying to be all mysterious, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really truly appreciate it. Uh, you can check all those things out and check out every other show on Geek Elite Media, and don't forget to always geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 